Hey, this is Travis from Sunday Scaries. Uh, just a heads up, today's episode does include discussions on the topic of sexual assault, so please keep that in mind before you listen. Hey, did you know this podcast has a Patreon? At patreon.com slash scarysundayscaries, you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar and get early access to episodes and join in on community posts with me and all the other hosts. That's patreon.com slash scarysundayscaries. Get on out there and uh, do it. Thanks. And convince me, my friend and I both started a rumor that a cheesecake factory was going to take over that theater, <laughs> and they believed me. We photoshopped cheesecake like the logo on top of uh, one of the empty hell. buildings. That's a harmless prank. It's not. No one was hurt. You victimless crime. The best was, Well, the best was the reason we got into this in the first. Sunday scary. I'm on board for this. I'm ready to invest. How do you get a, fran- a cheesecake ATM franchise? You start a rumor on Facebook <laughs> and get a bunch of geriatrics upset. Why are you calling? Look, are those I have octogenarians. Multi- Look, this is plans upon plans. God damn it! Hey, I'm Travis. I'm hanging out with Daniel today. What up, y'all? I'm and Daniel. Today we are blessed to have Andy in the house. Hey. What up, Andy? I've been wanting to get you on for a while. It's been a minute, and I, it's been a minute since we hung out too. I'm so pumped. To we be actually here. all share an origin story. Yeah, that's we how we met at the same place. I met oh you the gosh. same way I met you. Yeah. No way, that's so crazy. Yeah, exactly. We're lovers to... in the night. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was I'm the kidding. same night, actually. <laughs> yeah, we all we all used to write together in a writing group here in uh, in Dallas, and like help them edit and do workshop workshop each other's work and stuff and uh, we we remain we we what do they call them we few we proud few we the proud <laughs> that's the, the army few slogan. yeah the writers that, no that's us <laughs> you know what i have yeah, we definitely. proud few uh after this episode i definitely need to send a link to craig uh and, yeah he'd uh, love be like, that. hey by the way this technically he is, was our mentor yes. yeah oh, or, this i is guess your the guy child. who ran the group yeah it really is and i think craig is actually kind of the first person that like got me in the workshopping mood too. It, yeah. like this whole format of just talking with people and like yeah. kind of doing this. So it's it's definitely thanks That's to him. Nice. Funny story, when we moved into this house, uh we were like walking outside and like walking the dogs and stuff. And I literally remember like I saw somebody walk by and I was like, huh, that guy looks familiar. And I turned back around and it was Craig and his partner walking their dog. <gasps> and before they moved uh to another state, they lived like a couple houses down from here. Oh my here. god! Yeah, it was Everybody's just, living in this neighborhood. I grew up thing. like a uh, couple, like a couple blocks away, um, wow. a little further down the street. Actually, this is like my childhood. This is my stomping ground. Mm-hmm. That's nice. It's a little bit romantic. Yeah, yeah. and our, our other co-host uh, lives like within a mile too. He lives right yeah. around the corner. Uh, hey guys, uh, welcome to Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies where each week we take a deep dive into a specific film and try to find connections between that film and other movies within the genre. And uh, it's a brand new series. In this run of episodes, we're losing our minds in the realm of psychological horror. And this week we watched an atmospheric indie horror film that has had people talking for almost a decade now. Mm. What did we watch? It follows. it follows. If it kills her, it gets me. It goes straight down the line to whoever started it. What exactly is supposed to be following you? I don't know. Something happened. It's not what she thinks, okay? You don't believe me. Nice. Well, next one. I know, close. Yeah. yeah, we should have it. like looked at each other. <laughs> no, 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 no. eye contact was necessary. <laughs> yeah, no, because you you needed. I keep saying this. You needed to be candid, and it's it's, it's the rawness of it. It's the honesty. It's the uh, yeah. That's that's really what sticks through. Uh, okay, real fast. I want the audience. I'm just gonna do this as like an acid test. Tell us, Andy, mm-hmm. what is your one of your favorite horror movies? <gasps> just oh. off the top, off the dome. Okay, check. Can I list five? Yes. Yes. Because I have five, just like ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm so sorry. Hereditary. I know that it's like overdone. People like stay talking about that shit, but it's for a reason. It's a wonderful, perfect movie. Yeah. Um, Psychological thriller, Black Swan, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, Coraline, and The Lodge. Nice. Wow. All in the last, what, 10, 15 years? The Lodge uh, surprises me on your list. That's one that kind of, uh, I feel like that slipped by a lot of people's radar. And that movie is also very weird. And and that movie is so good. It uh, it asks a lot of uh, suspension of disbelief, too. Have you not seen that one? No, I haven't seen it. (gasps) This is your moment. Yeah. The reveal at the end of that movie. So, you know how, so I'm not going to spoil it, but let me just say, like, you know how me and Tyler's social media thing is like our entire conversations is just videos of little kids getting hit by like dodgeballs and stuff mm. yes yeah that yeah. that movie reinforces my Children my feelings of joy <laughs> when i see little kids fall over we right? talked yeah. about this vaguely at the halloween ends episode yeah. about how like teenagers are the scariest fucking thing they really are yeah. especially fucking band nerds man i don't know if they're really teenagers on the lodge but is like nearly i think yeah. you know yeah that's okay. a good movie though it's yeah a good psychological horror as well that yeah. has some some interesting takes on uh, on a individual's uh, losing grip with reality and, and mm-hmm. stuff. Okay, Hereditary, uh, The Lodge, mm-hmm. The Lodge. Well, I'm not in no particular order. Okay. Hereditary, uh, Coraline, The Lodge, and then um, there were two more, but I forgot. Black Swan and Black The Swan. Killing of a Sacred Deer. There you the go. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah. Thank you. Y'all are. Have you done the episode yet, or are you about to? We do haven't it? done any of those. Wait a minute. Okay. We because, have not done Because listen, those. I was feeling some major regret, Travis. Whenever I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. Follows, and I am so happy to do this episode. I cannot wait. I have read so many books in preparation. For Hell this. yes. Oh, oh my um, God. Here I go again yeah. being the idiot that read the Wikipedia article. <laughs> I'm going to be the No, idiot I also too. read the Wikipedia. I'm going to yeah. be there with you. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just have a theory about the killing of a sacred deer that I would just love to talk about. So All right. We'll have you back. I sort of say, if, if you if you guys like it. We don't. We'll put we it haven't on the, done a Yorgos I'm going to say something Lanthimos way crazy. Episode. No, we haven't. Yeah, because that is a weird sort of in the Venn diagram of, uh, yeah, of... When does psychological I'll say this, thriller become horror? Killing of a Sacred Deer actually came up in some of my research mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. It Follows. Nice. Related. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, It Follows, uh, 2014-ish, 2015, kind of, um, in that in that era. David Robert Mitchell, uh, written and directed by uh, him, a $1.3 million movie that was released at the Cannes Film Festival in Boy, May can you tell. Of, <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. It's fucking gorgeous. It is. I love this movie, man. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, so Daniel, I know that you hate plot summaries on IMDb, and I want to read this one to you because it is... It is <laughs> is part, it a shitty plot it's summary? It's particularly God egregious. damn it. Look at this. It's just, I, it's just so comically concise. Okay, the IMDb summary is, a young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. Period. <laughs> like what? Ba- well, okay. First off, what it's bad fine. grammar it's is technically, followed? Technically true. Come on. <laughs> what about like a a potentially violent specter uh, follows a young woman to the ends of the earth after, well, after a mysterious them. sexual encounter? How about they got the passive? That verb? already sounds yeah. better. <laughs> How about I uh, hate passive voice. <laughs> Micah plays uh, Micah Monroe plays Jay uh, Jay Heights, a young woman who begins to experience visions of an ominous figure walking toward her after she has a sexual encounter with her boyfriend Hugh. Uh, Jay and her friends flee from the invisible monster, which will pursue its victims indefinitely unless they pass on the quote-unquote curse through subsequent sexual encounters. It was More. active. Yeah. That was good. More stuff, mm-hmm. right? That was great. This movie. So you both seen this before, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Several times, mm-hmm. I think. When yeah. did did you see it when it first came out? I did. I'm. I'm not a lot. I don't know how much commentary you want this. Yeah. At this stage, we want all of yeah. it. Well, so okay. give, give your first here. thoughts, but we'll definitely start. So, like, well, I'll tell you when we when we'll get into it. Later. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just like, just stop me. Like, yeah. wave a hand. You mm-hmm. know. But tell us about your your, your theater going experience when or your first like, viewing experience. Did you experience. know what it was when you went? Mm-hmm. I well, 
okay so like one of my brothers is like really into movies and I think he had like you know hyped this movie up to me and I was like watching it with my girlfriend at the time and like our roommate and we I don't know if I'm allowed to say this but used to smoke a lot of weed yeah like a lot a lot yeah. a lot a we lot. talked about drugs on this podcast many before. a weed and I was so underwhelmed hmm. I, I was like really upset and yeah. now what I'll say is that I had recently left the church. <laughs> nice, man. And so there was... So sexual dogma was like... I started to say like, there was some religious trauma. Were, yeah. And I was like, this is like fucking Christian abstinence propaganda. And I was not about nice. it. That's the hottest take on this yeah. podcast. No, I'm excited because I, I think that's the take that I was looking for when I like... When Sorry, I continue. Went into this. Well, and what's interesting is now I have a different take on it. And... Uh, I'll wait. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it more. We're all just uh, in our waiting analysis. to give each other our taste. <laughs> I know, but we got to <laughs> talk, talk, talk about some other stuff in the movie, but like what happens first. But, right. uh, but yeah, you saw this like around the time it came out? Um, I had a, I had a different journey. Uh, this happens to me with a lot of uh, lower budget horror films mm. is it takes a while for, especially with this movie, it takes a little while for uh, the press to kind of roll out for something like this. Right. Um, especially when the studio doesn't quite know what they're doing with it. Like it's not an easy marketing project. They kind of waste, like they shoot their shot in the trailer. If you go watch it, you mm-hmm. see, you're like, Oh, I've seen like all the major scenes. Yeah. But, um, it, this came around to me through word of mouth, uh, via like Twitter, via a bunch of critics I follow that were like, you're, it's like not, it's like not anything you're familiar with. Um, and so I watched it on a fucking airplane on an international, <laughs> and it was a horrible idea. Yeah, like it was just airplanes are not a great place to watch good movies. Like I watch like loud bombastic action films when I go on airplanes, yeah. or like anime. Was it daytime airplane or nighttime airplane? It was both. It was an international flight. Oh, I'm sorry. I did. Yeah. I did like three movies because I just didn't sleep. But That's what was, I do on those long flights. So it was yeah. a wasted screening, and that kind of colored me for a while. It was just like, I mean. I think it was good, but like I don't understand why it was just really slow. That's so. That's the interesting. Second I, time around was the charm. Third time really hit them. Last mm-hmm. night really hit the nail in the coffin. I was like, oh, this is this is amazing. Nice. Yeah, I, the airplane movie watching has always been like a mixed bag for me it's too. Such a bad idea. It's, well, <laughs> on the other hand, though, I feel like I've seen, I've had such a great experience, or I loved some of the movies I watched on airplanes. Like uh, the one I think experience I had particularly was on an international flight watching um, Burnt. Is that movie with... Um, no. Are you thinking of Bradley Cooper? Yeah, this is the Bradley Cooper movie. The Bradley yeah, Cooper okay. chef movie. Isn't that yeah. the one everyone did not like? Yeah, everybody didn't like it, but for some reason, whenever I watched it you were like, on the airplane, I was like, yeah. this movie's fucking awesome. This movie fucks. Yeah, <laughs> but on subsequent rewatches, I didn't like that movie a lot at all, and I've had that with a couple of movies I've seen on airplanes. Mm. I don't know. Like, I, my Not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but this is going to be really mean, but I think Netflix movies generally, when they're not like the big auteur, like, you know, we gave Scorsese a bajillion dollars, like the regular day to day, like nuts and bolts, uh, Netflix movies, fantastic airplane movies. Hmm. It's like very middle tier. Yeah, turn not, off your brain kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like, uh, I had day shift queued up that, uh, oh, wow. vampire hunter movie with Jamie <laughs> Foxx and, um, uh, what's his face? Well, besides Snoop Dogg, the other one, the white guy whose name I can't remember, oh. uh, Dave Franco. Um, uh, but basically, like, just that kind of stuff that's like very popcorny action fair that you like in one ear out the other, mm-hmm. it somehow passes time. And like, I'm vaguely interested. I mean, I'm a sucker for all things marketing, but these, like, they're the ones I'm always like, that is a cool concept. I wonder if this is the one. Like, I wonder mm. if this is the one Netflix, like, 
delivered. I got my <laughs> stellar action flick. Mm-hmm. And I always walk away being like, how did it end again? Yeah. What happened? I forgot. Yeah, like a couple after, of those. Immediately after I've watched it. Like the gray man was one for me. Where yeah, I was like, that was a perfect airplane movie. happened in that movie? Yeah. Perfect airplane movie. You get, you get an hour and a half into that movie and you're like, there's still like an hour left. It it's, follows... I don't think it's a good airplane movie. No, that mm-hmm. is my, one. My first statement. <laughs> also, so if you get on an airplane, would it be able to follow you? Oh yeah, to you would another be trapped. Continent. I. We or need would it, it follow you on? We need like an airplane. entire yes. sub su, uh, sidebar about the the rules. laws of this. Yeah, my, my wife start... has some pit, some thoughts. Exactly. She I'm going to pick at those as we go through the. And plot I wanted here to hear too. y'all's opinions. Oh, I'm yeah. so pumped. Um, yeah, so David, uh, written and directed by David Robert Mitchell, uh, It Follows comes after his uh, debut film, The Myth of, a, of the American Sleepover. Did you watch, hear about this or watch I it? I did not. This yeah, it's another, first. he has doesn't have very many credits. Man hasn't made a whole lot of movies, but the ones he has made have gotten a lot of praise. Um, yeah. The Myth of the American Sleepover is another one where it's uh, basically a bunch of teenagers um, waxing, you know, having existential crises and uh, um, dealing with sort of their their uh, formative experiences and stuff. And it seems like he works with, he has this really like, cool sort of handle on capturing like the angsty or like the uh, coming of age sort of yeah. like spirit. Like he works well with like this young adult sort of cast, I think too. Um, especially in this movie where it's like a bunch of like fairly unknown, like th- there's no stars in this movie. Yeah. And I think much to its benefit, like that works out really well. It feels very... I read that he made that movie on $50,000, which is like pennies, like literally nothing. Crazy, like your crew's right? not even making enough to live off of. Yeah. Um, and then the subsequent one, like you said, like 1.3 million. Yeah. Um, which is like still not nowhere near a lot of money, but it's like a huge budget jump for a filmmaker like that. And then his subsequent film under the silver Lake, uh, was uh, a little bit steeper of a budget, but it got buried. Uh, for like lots of various reasons it was, was like a one. victim of a couple different things yeah i was looking at like the trailers and stuff for it because i haven't watched that one either but it's got yeah andrew garfield in there and stuff it's, yeah uh, yeah like yeah, 2018 yeah. andrew garfield i was like what the fuck wow. is he doing in 2018 he plays like, like this manic <laughs> yeah. suburbanite who's like investigating the disappearance of a girl he had a crush on or mm-hmm. something I, oh. that's the best pitch i can get i actually haven't seen the movie it vengeance mm-hmm. um but it's, <laughs> it's they described it as a noir comedy mm. which so that was like an interesting but that's the last thing I saw that he had done. Yeah, because in the like uh, some like the reviews and crit- like critical reviews that were coming out around the time this movie came out, and sort of painting the picture of David Robert Mitchell and what he's doing, a lot of people thought maybe, you know, you, when you're an indie filmmaker like this, you make one or a couple of, like really awesome movies, and especially if one of them is going to be a horror movie, you know, getting sort of like genre pigeonholed. It's like, all right, we're going to have this guy do just only horror movies, or is he going to get scooped up by like? the giant production studio machine and like, you know, Mar- right. he's going to be directing a Marvel, Marvel movie or something. Right. But like in, in, like in response to that, he was pretty clear about being like, I don't think that I would survive that experience. I don't think that I, I like having control, the control I have over my movies now being, you know, in this position. And I think that's something I wouldn't want to give up um, or have, you know, trade for, for a bigger job like that. Um, which is interesting. Like that's something that like, yeah, when you have like Scott Derrickson directing Dr. Strange, right. Was yeah. like, I was like, huh, yeah, it, it is one of those things where you, I don't know, I, I always wonder like what kind, what, what kind of experience some directors will have when they get into that situation. Um, yeah, my first time watching this, uh, It Follows, was I think around the time it came out. Um, I think I was just lucky enough to like catch some whisper of like media buzz or something. But I remember having like a very, I don't know, like I was like right out of, I think I had just graduated college or something. This would have been like right around 2015. Yeah, and I, I did too. Yeah, and I was like, it. 
I was like, I felt very young. I, I don't know. My in my head, I the image seven years ago, right? Mm. I was we like, 22. oh, twenty two. It yeah. wasn't even like twenty sixteen yet. Not I feel fully, like since twenty sixteen, I've like tripled in age. Yeah, <laughs> each yes. year has been like three years. Really, I'm, each I'm week 60 has now. been like three <laughs> yeah. years. Um, like what now? The the murder hornets are are coming back. <laughs> Where were what? <laughs> it's one thing. That was a wild week to be alive. It's never not something. Uh, I think true. that's just getting old. Yeah. I don't know. Like I think it is a little bit the apocalypse, but yeah. Yeah, we're we're just inching slowly towards the apocalypse. One would say meandering or walking slowly towards the apocalypse. We're just Ooh. following. Uh, following. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember this hitting me like very. I was. I think I was mystified by the movie when I first saw it, and I wasn't really super big into like rewatching these kinds of indie horror films like a whole lot yet. It's one of those things where. I think it it felt labor intensive to to like force myself to go back through and watch it again, maybe yeah. like in that era. But then for this one, yeah, for in this time period as we've been watching all these movies, this is one that I was really excited to get to because it's it, it feels like a very comfortable movie to watch mm-hmm. now. Weirdly, like because I think of its uh, mechanics, like we talked about. Yeah, um, it is a beautiful movie. I think it, it's gorgeously shot. Like thinking back on it now, it kind of reminds me of like that first season of Stranger Things. <laughs> Do you know what I'm Big talking Stranger about? Things I actually energy was going to score in this that. movie. Yeah. Yeah, you said what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah like so. I, there's some. There is something totally cozy about it, which is like. Um, it's like if Stranger Things were more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. It, like the rated R Stranger Things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that time I, I felt more scared by it, but Mm. I felt more scared by the entities that were not normal looking. Does that make sense? Right. Like, okay, check this out. Like it's more. Because the monster shifts back and forth from being like either like what seems to be just a normal person to being like uh, a disfigured or strange. Or just a completely naked old man. Yes. (laughs) Which I mean, that's enough. I sent that meme today. I I stumbled across a great meme and I was like, holy shit, someone just referenced It Follows. (laughs) This is amazing. Very serendipitous indeed. But um, so yeah, I, I was really terrified. Like, okay, so like somebody breaks into... Well, question mark, right? The a glass breaks, a mm-hmm. window breaks in another room, and Jay goes in, out to investigate. And this like half naked woman is like approaching her step by step and yeah. urinating at the same time. Like I felt chills. Very much like the like the Exorcist. Yeah, like, uh, like, I was like, like Reagan. Oh the, my god. Yeah. And then shortly after that is when the tall man like mm-hmm. ducks underneath the the door frame to get into Love the room. Love that fucking jump scare. Chilling. So okay? good. The other part that really got me was the dude on the roof. Yeah. The naked person on the roof. Wow. Ah. How to get on the roof? Oh, Why is he naked? He can be anywhere. <laughs> exactly. He can be anywhere. But if you think about it, it does behoove the entity to like put on masks of people that jay knows to get closer to her like what are we doing we're like sometimes naked like sometimes just fucking with you jay and other times like nah i'm gonna be really serious and pretend to be yara from fucking 50 feet like and even i think uh it's when it's revealed that his name is jeff later like or he makes hugh at the beginning he says Mm -hmm. even when he was explaining the rules to jay he's like i think it looks like people that you know sometimes to get closer to you yes Um, but i also love that he mentions that sometimes it's a stranger as if like strangers could get closer to Mm -hmm. me as the entity like once you know the entity exists it would almost be easier for a stranger to take on the shape of a stranger Mm -hmm. and get to me yeah especially in a crowd or something yeah you know how many strangers i've probably brushed hands with they would have cracked me in half if they exactly. were that monster <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's terrifying i i, I want to talk about it up top to the uh so have you heard like you've heard this like uh the thought experiment or like the million dollar question where it's like you get a billion dollars or something right oh, but you've asked me this one have on i asked podcast. you this before you yeah. asked me before 
But like, okay, so you get a billion dollars, but for the rest of your life, there is a snail that is indestructible and can live forever, and it will slowly be chasing you for your entire life, and if it touches you, you die. That's oh like the, uh, yeah, I think it's, I don't know how long that question's been around, but like. If it like, touches me, I die? Yeah, instantly. Uh, and so you just have to like, so, but you have like essentially infinite wealth and you can go and like travel the world and like go anywhere you want, but just at all times, this thing is looming and will always be there. Is and it like, it has to traverse the land it has to, to catch cross, up to me? Yes. Cool. So like if you go to a different <clears throat> continent, it's going to be a while, but eventually like right, it'll get right. to you. I don't know. Um, I feel like eventually death will get to you anyway. I'm yeah. taking the billion dollars, yeah. you know? I, I kind of, I'm with, I, you kind of make it easier to do when you have a billion dollars. Yeah, yes. exactly, right. <laughs> yeah. I can just fly back and forth. What do yeah. I care? Yeah. yeah. And if, if it has to change course, like, I mean, much like this movie too, it's like, that's the thing is the, it's proposed that this thing has to, you know, it has to do the legwork and like eventually get to you, which <laughs> right. is a... Well, that's, I think too, part of the, the cool, the interesting part about this is the dilemma of our protagonist is situated almost squarely within her own context it's like yeah. she's not rich she's not flying right you know coast to coast to like dodge this thing her mm-hmm. plan is to like get in a car and drive right mm-hmm. she can only go as far as her gas money will get her so like you you factor in money and all of a sudden it's like no problem mm-hmm. um and so that's like that's the other the interesting thing is it, that's what i say it's like more realistic is that you know it has the it's not just the monster, but also the realistic reaction. And then there's a natural evolution to how like people don't believe her. Then she has to prove, she kind of doesn't believe it either. She has to learn. They have to Mm. prove it. And then once she has a team, they kind of have to come up with a plan when that plan fails. And it's specifically that, that last thing that you talked about, about the, the trouble and part of the terror of this movie of convincing others that what you're perceiving is actually happening, right? Because right. they are not sharing your experience. When we had our conversation about Smile and the episode that we did on that, like obviously we talked a lot about this movie and how that movie seemed to be very, very directly inspired so, by yes. this, the plot of this movie. Uh, I'll, I'll lead first because this is what my research was wrapped around mm-hmm. is, um, and Jamario and I have talked about this a lot, but the idea of curses. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. And it, like It Follows and Smile are both curses Mm -hmm. um and so it was like i was researching and kind of looking at like different curse related movies Mm -hmm. and so there's uh there's so much to draw on Mm -hmm. but the like running theme of a lot of curse movies is you just don't you either pass it on or you die yeah and it's so interesting to me that when it follows came out it felt so novel Mm -hmm. to hear it it so simplistically and there's no lore there's no like oh the monster is like this special deity or whatever like it is just a A force of nature and david and david David robert mitchell robert mitchell Mm -hmm. uh, has famously said that he doesn't care about the lore Mm -hmm. he's like it's just a thing it's and i think i don't want to know it's not a metaphor it's not a specific it's kind of a metaphor it's a, it, yeah. it's a theme, but it's also just like it, it doesn't really matter because that's not really what the movie is about. The movie is about the terror of this chronic condition, right. basically, right? They, yeah, kind of um, the snail dilemma. Yeah, sounds a billion dollars. Yeah, the the ongoingness, like the, I'm gonna call the, it the snail, the we snail need, dilemma. We need no the snail paradox. I'm gonna think about this. <laughs> <laughs> the, the snail thought experiment, but uh, but yeah, similarly with <laughs> the smile snot though, experiment. One of the one of the scariest things about smile and uh, the you know being an audience member, like in the audience as a viewer for that movie mm-hmm. is the idea of internalizing the, this this the thought of this experience where you're you're nobody around you is able to perceive the terror that you're seeing which is also you know the alienating experience of that and the inescapability of it right. is what you know it's it's curse films mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It, you look at things like um you know the ring yes. or mm-hmm. the grudge 
um, and uh, killing of a sacred deer, mm. which is what came up, is because mm. they're cursed as well. They sure are. And the only way to get through it is to make like a terrible choice, yes. um, like the the moral choice of like, do you let yourself die? Mm-hmm. Um, and potentially end the curse. There's no way to know for sure. Or do you pass it on? Or do you try and fight it? And like mm-hmm. 99 out of 100 curse movies are like, you can try and fight it, but you just have to, like the answer is pass it on. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a lot of times. But there's the moral dilemma of what does that mean? Yeah. Or and you so, just shoot it in the head, I guess. Uh, Yeah. If you think that works. <laughs> yeah, right. Like Smile was the same thing as we thought. Yeah. She goes through the experience was, of yeah. trying to just physically obliterate it. But which, it is yeah. interesting yeah. to me uh, that curse is kind of take on the different properties of whatever we're trying to like analyze it with so mm-hmm. in smile it's the context of mental well-being and mental health um and it follows is you know we've said the director is like it's not about stds or whatever but when i first like when you s- describe the movie everyone's like that's the oh thing. so it's a metaphor we'll for get stds to this right. more later but yeah the the joking sort of way that people for shorthand that people refer to this movie as is yeah it's the std horror movie right and it's like all right that, i guess unfortunate that's really unfortunate because we'll, that was we'll talk my about own the thought deeper, when i yeah, first right? heard about this yeah because i was like oh that seems like low-hanging fruit boom a but, plus nailed it film class Give right me my <laughs> grade back that's exactly so <laughs> nailed it yeah, film class <laughs> you know like some freshman yeah some freshman was like it follows indis- indubitably pursues an extravagant theory extrapolating upon human sexuality and the transmissiveness <laughs> of diseases yes, sexually in the modern century. Wow. Um, a it plus, is. Daniel. Good Thank job. You. A plus. Sean I'll Griffin. give you a B for that one. Look out. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's my old phone professor. <laughs> uh there's also the one one thing about the uh, criticism that I want to put up top here before we talk about the, start talking about the plot of this movie is uh, also the as I was reading reviews and everything from like like that were contemporary like in 2015 um, one of the other articles that looked like clickbait at the time was the idea of Quentin Tarantino responding to this movie and like uh, commenting oh, that on it clickbaiting there was a uh, but it, it's actually it was a really fun I don't know what movie he was promoting at that time uh, I guess it would have been like 15 uh, would have been hateful eight. Mm. Was that too? Was that later? It's like around the same time. Yeah, because it's yeah, because it's uh, Inglorious Bastards, and then I think it's full. No, Django. It was Django oh Django. Oh, yeah, it was probably yeah. Django. I was gonna say because there's yeah. another one in between there. Yeah, but in his, it's through these backhanded compliments though. Where at first he says, you know, it's one of the best premise, premises that I've seen uh, in a horror film in a long, long, long time. Um, it's one of those movies that's so good that you get mad at it for not being great. And it's like, all right, Dang. Quentin. Yeah. He uh, does that, though. He yeah. says all kinds of inflammatory shit. Yeah. He's like all over my Instagram feed sometimes. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. He says shit like, don't be good, be great. And I'm like, yeah. What? It's like, all right, come all on. Right. Come on. I mean, that is like a very, like, I mean, you know, that whole like Kubrickian thing of like, you yeah. know, or like Jack Nicholson back in the 80s being like, I don't make films, I only make classics. Um, Ew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a gross thing to say. Yeah. But uh, he goes on to say, like, he, he basically is just trying to poke holes in the the logic of the uh, the rules of the movie and the plot mm. armor and stuff, talking about like some other stuff in the plot that we'll get to later on. And I'll, I'll point it out when we do. Boo. Um, but yeah, I was like, all right, come on. what? A, don't be a fucking Debbie Downer, man. Like, in, enjoy the movie. Uh, yeah but yeah let's talk about what happens in this movie so like this opening sequence right um there's a couple of things i love about the opening of this movie one is that there are no credits like it just goes straight into the fucking movie after that dimension logo and uh whatever else like the the title card doesn't even happen yeah. until after the very last scene dimension was that like one of the last movies they <clears throat> did before they dropped off the radar maybe but yeah this opening shot the sequence of uh, also kind of establishing the camera work right up top here with these like very slow panning camera movements as uh and uh who is uh, played by Bailey Spry, Annie uh, played by Bailey Spry, runs out of her house, that sort of like beautiful uh, Midwestern suburban home. 
uh, and runs in a full circle in the street in fucking stilettos. Yeah, it's a lot of questions, especially the stilettos. Yeah. As my third go around, I was like, wait a minute. What's the context? Here? Yeah. I right? have like a thousand questions. <laughs> because she's at home. Right. Her dad is like, hey, Annie, what are you doing? It's like, so she was wearing the stilettos in her own house and but then didn't have any other PJs, shoes. Yeah. Kind of. Didn't have any other shoes that she wanted to put on while she was like running she across the like, grass. And she's and, like toes only, click yeah. clacking. It's like, ah, oh, that's, that's rough. Uh, Very bold. And from what we learn about the logic of the monster later on, I guess it's presumed that she makes a full loop out, out in the to get street it. and yeah. to get it to go like make the same loop or something. Yeah. And then gets back in the car and takes off for the coast and she goes to the beach and makes a phone call to her dad. And uh, then the very next slam cut we get is of her mangled body. Um, a really dark and macabre way to set up a movie that mm-hmm. I remember like my very first time watching this I'm sure I was like also stoned at my college house <laughs> or whatever and just being like that is a that is a scene that jars you at the, at the top and like really kind of sets the tone for the movie in a way that we're that is great. and we kind of come to it after all the actions happen so one minute she's like on the phone the next she's like she sees it she starts freaking out and then it smashes mm-hmm. smash cuts so it goes from night to day like early morning mm-hmm. um and you just see her like broken body mm-hmm. and there's no scream there's no like monster attacks we don't even see whatever this thing is and it happens so quickly and kind of just fades away you're like what like big question mark there something we don't know what bad followed and killed this girl I like the idea of playing, going back and forth, right, between the perspective of the person being pursued and, you know, what I guess everybody else would be saying. Because in that opening sequence, we also, yeah, we we don't explicitly show the monster yet. We just show how afraid she is of it. Mm. Right. Right. And and Um, two, like a lot of horror movies will open with the stinger. The like first five pages, ten pages will be, you know, that opening scene where you scare, that opening scare. And they also do that. They don't reveal the monster, but they do tease it um, uh, and give us like a little violence kind of um, to go off of smile because this is the most recent example. You know, it has the whole like a whole thing from ear to ear with Mm -hmm. the terracotta shard. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just like brutal to watch. But this like skips that. It'd be like if you just skipped like the entire interrogation and we just came in at the end. Um, so it's like very, uh, it's off putting because you keep, ex- it's like a time shift you weren't expecting. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, after the, after the opening sequence sort of like sets up, it sets the tone in the movie. We kind of get introduced to our cast, uh, right. Jay is floating around at a pool. We have creepy neighbor boys who like are peeping on her. Um, and then we get the inside of their house where we meet Paul and Yara and her younger sister, Kelly, uh, and her mom, who is vaguely present, uh, throughout the rest of the movie. I think it's like implied she's like an alcoholic, right? Or oh, something. I, that might be a, she that, has a that glass might be of wine. a rude interpretation. She has a glass of wine at the beginning of the movie. And then I think later she's we passed see her, out on the bed and yeah. a glass of wine is on the table. Later we see her like putting Bailey's into her coffee cup or something too. Oh, like, yeah. did you catch that? I was like, I, I think I it was like subtly that. implied that like she's, yeah she drinks a lot or something um but parents are like suspiciously ap- like adults are like weirdly absent throughout this entire movie there you know, is as will will smith famously once said parents just don't understand yeah <laughs> they just don't get it just, uh and then when they are present they're either they're usually just kind of condescending to jay or like you know yeah. they're serving as background characters that are just dressing the, the the scenes to move the plot along and everything. Um, I'll I'll bring it up again later. But as I was like reading stuff for this movie, uh, I found this Reddit thread 
from 20 from like four years ago oh, i guess it was like 2018 because sometimes you'll pull up a random like you know plot theory or whatever discussion yeah. on reddit and then and it's a full reddit thread and you're like it's, whoa it's this thing that i was like oh cool i mean it's, it'll be a fun like theory and i click on it and it's this guy goes off for like eight pages in this like bulleted whole thing of why he breaks down like that this movie is set in some sort of like dystopian like weirdly like purgatory situation mm. and that all of the the young the children or the teenagers in the movie are essentially like lost souls wandering around hell and that uh the paul character is actually an incubus or an agent of the demons who is like going and trying to yeah it's first thoughts what do you think (laughs) um he's watching a different movie now (laughs) were we smoking the same hang on yeah a different strain yeah but i will say that there is like there is something like weird about the timeline in the movie in terms of like what year is it? Because yeah. Yara has this like device that looks like a compact. Thank it's a you. Phone. Okay. What is this fucking thing? Yes, this, this and it's Kindle the only clam? indicator. Yes. Yeah. yes, it's so it's so <laughs> distracting to the point that it almost takes you out of the movie. I like, because uh, yeah, in this first scene, she's like reading on it, yes. right? And you're like, what? The Not f- just that, she's fuck? reading the idiot. Yeah, I'm like holy shit, what's what teenagers <laughs> reads the idiot? It's about Paul, one in an indie movie. Daniel. Yeah. yeah. Excuse um. me. It felt like it, sometimes I was like, "Is this just a device to put like obscure literary quotes that you had to learn in college so that you are now right. spitting back to us there's, because it makes you sound smart?" There's or a lot of it, that. Like, Whenever thematic. teachers are on screen or like, yeah, because and she reads throughout the movie too. Yeah, like at the end, the movie closes with her reading like poetry yeah. and stuff out of it as well. I guess it, it is because kind of like like you said, there are uh, some other weird like anachronisms mm. in the movie, like the the various appliances and movies they're watching and television shows where you're like. It, it seems like a movie sort of like weirdly out of time down yeah. to like the cars I, that they drive. I have um, a soft theory about that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. I was like, I kind of just <laughs> loading off for a second there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, um, I was debating whether or not this is spoily, but I, I'll go through this because we're going to poke holes in it anyway. But, um, you know, we talk about, right, like this, uh, it's set, like the Stranger Things connection is what made me think of this. Mm-hmm. It's because people always give it like, kind of give it crap is like this fondness for the eighties, you know, your childhood, these people, like it's the details of like your grandparents' house that reminds you of like how it felt when you were in like that place, their whole house, their whole neighborhood feels like how my grandparents place felt to me when I was a kid is like their Mm -hmm. old TV sets and like old things are cool when you're a kid because they just like, no one's watching that. And there's like, uh, I I found it almost not nostalgic per se, but definitely like, ensconced so thoroughly in all the different trappings of what makes it uh, feel like it's a 70s um, like set in the 70s but there are these anchor points to show you that it is not it's just like I guess maybe a conscious choice by these teenagers Mm -hmm. Um, and in that sense right so if I'm saying like they they want this they kind of like enjoy it or there's a, a value to it that they get Um, because teenagers you know they all want to be fucking cool too right it just makes sense to me like they're going to be like hipsters um by the end of the movie because the compact kindle Mm. is the only thing that we see that's really modern yeah i think there's like maybe a cell phone or two there's cell phones yeah but like yeah like smartphone cell phones and Uh so but they're not used they're like and so that's another thing too. It is seems like, like teenagers a specific would choice. Be totally all over their cell yeah, phones. it seems like a specific choice production design wise. That yeah. it does have a very like there are it is a nostalgic production design. I there think, are like homey, cozy, yeah. like from the blankets they're wearing to like also something in the beginning that I noticed like in these opening sequences, like the streets are dirty in uh, sometimes mm-hmm. and like the water is dirty and like there's a griminess and like there's, a, a very a veneer of like realism yeah, to it that there's feels something very about good. it that um harks back to like a, a fond memory of um, for maybe the production designer mm. 
um, you know, or the director himself. But all of this kind of seems to say that these kids are like, you know, in their happy little lives. And what I noticed uh, at the very end, the clothing that the two characters wear is very modern. It's yeah. like the last, you know, the last scene with them where they're holding hands and walking together, especially the the um Keir Gilchrist the the lead male mm-hmm. he's wearing like a like a very modern it's like a jacket over a hoodie and one of those like really long like almost tunic style hoodies yeah. which was like that never would have happened in the 70s <laughs> um and so part of it was me like you know kind of connecting dots and thinking like maybe you know they've abandoned some of their fondness of this like nostalgic period or they understand that that was just a phase in their teenage oh, lives wow. um and so it's like after they plot point at plot twist after they have sex um they kind of realize that like they've lost some of that fondness that they used to have for the trappings of their world which Mm. is part of what happens um the way that it's expressed in the the earliest sexual encounter yeah and so there's like kind of a through line about like you know, sex um, is as much. I mean, the movie's a very transformative like sex, experience. Yeah, but the movie's very like um, sex neutral. It's like neither negative nor in positive. Pointedly, in a lot of ways. right after that interaction, right after that happens, they ask each other, "Do you feel any different?" Right, and it's that's kind of the thing. It's like, and but it's they both a, say no, and they're like, "Well, that is it not, about the sex, or is it yeah, about the curse?" Yeah. But I do think like it's it's threading the needle on like they'll never be the same after this mm-hmm. because literally they're being you know, chased by a monster, but also they've given up some of what they remember fondly, Mm -hmm. which I, I, you know, was the only plot, uh, only logical reasoning I could come up with for some of this stuff. This is my like big theory. So I just, Blew my load super early. No, you're fine. Um, or came up with an idea. That was like Blow really your load, Anthony, man. Yeah. yeah. What's I'm, going on? Jesus, I That's need some to sleep. Freudian slips here for Yikes. Daniel whenever he watches a horny movie. It was a say. very horny movie. Yeah, I, I'm just slipping in language but appropriate cute, to the movie. It, like, in a, kind of like a cutely horny movie, though. Like, so like this whole... They like, were, they're a very cute couple. I, long story short, I, I think that it was thematically significant and not necessarily contextual. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are, there are the things that take you out of it that make mm. you think, why are they 2015 kids living in a seventies world? Well, or why you... are there seventies kids with weird trappings of like 2015 okay. things? So I don't know if y'all remember what it was like to be a hipster in the year 2014, <laughs> but like everything old was so cool. Oh, like yeah. if you had a landline, if you had a typewriter, like in college, Record Me and players my are. They were yes, like that's when they came back. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We kind of take that for granted now. Yeah. You know, so that was like my understanding. Is I was like, oh, okay, this is just an indie movie, and they're just leaning into like the hipster like aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel, what you said, that's beautiful. <laughs> I, it, I would normally agree with you. It's so thorough, though. Yeah, like, the way it's consistent. It's woven into yeah. every element of this yeah, film. From the, the production blankets design, that they have to the, they, the TV sets. And to I, the, like, I applaud this movie because it tells its story through subtext. And mm-hmm. so like the production design, the costumes, the locations, you know, there's not a lot of dialogue to kind of go off of. And it's very subtle as far as acting. So you kind of have to intuit all this stuff yourself. If it had just been like, I don't know. The '70s are cool. Mm-hmm. It probably would have been a little more on the nose. Yeah, I mean, that's so, and that's what is the Stranger Things is is like the right. 80s were, yeah, were the best uh, Stranger Things would be the like yeah. really obvious yeah. like '80s is fun, there sex is, is bad, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of stuff. But this is very very nuanced, and that was kind of my like big picture. I was like. <gasps> I sat up in my seat and was like, I got it. <laughs> Eureka. Uh, I did not smoke weed when I watched this movie last night. There you go. Um, so then the next, next section of the movie, right, is in getting introduced to who 
Hugh, as we know him in the beginning of the Who? movie, right? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who are you, Hugh? Uh, so Jake Weary playing Hugh slash what we later learn is Jeff, right? Um, yeah. They first have their movie date and then uh, they get their lake date uh, shortly after that. Um, his whole section, his whole presence in the movie right here at the very beginning, like sets him up as being, do you think he ultimately becomes a like empathetic character by the end of it? Like, he he's he's set up in this initial like section here um and you, he's what already you think jake weary pl- is playing him in at the movie theater right whenever he you can clearly see that he's like kind of already experiencing the guilt of what he's about to do right yeah. and then is also like constantly looking his over over his shoulder uh yeah. you know checking for the thing as it follows him right um this thing has no name for the record mm-hmm. yeah do we want to call it like the follower or the, i just uh, call it the monster on just... the wikipedia page they call it the entity the entity yeah. oh fuck yeah <laughs> yeah that's a good one yeah. the ent yeah mm-hmm. um but are, are you just hating him from right from the very beginning especially well, on rewatches of this movie okay check this out like knowing what we know about the curse like obviously mm-hmm. it's not it's not questionable that he passes it on i get mm-hmm. it that's survival fair mm-hmm. what's fucked is he has sex with her and he's like, I know what I'll do. I'm going to tie this girl up. Right. <laughs> when she Seems comes to Seems unnecessary. Yeah, why would you do that, dude? Yeah. That's some like sociopath shit. Because let's talk about like, this is because she handles it way differently, right? So she, she also. Him, but I realize that's not a good look. Uh-huh. No, but yeah. it, it is interesting though, because the differences in the ways that the ways that the two, these two characters like handle this, right? So he does this at the beginning and conceivably he's already experienced this whole situation before right he's been running away from the monster for some time now and has probably also had sexual encounters with other people Mm. and then seen the consequences he knows the rules of the game right he knows them pretty well he's who introduces us to the rules of the game explicitly whenever we get that first scene of of jay tied up and he monologues to her right Mm -hmm. um so the idea is that he basically he goes to the orchestrates the whole thing of like renting a house to put on this and assume a different identity to go on a date and trick Did this girl. Did he rent that house, That's though? That's a lie. They yeah. say he, it, when she's talking to the cops later, they say that he rented a house under a fake name. And you're like, I guess so. It just didn't, right. Maybe he just, he was living like a fucking bachelor, Seems man. like a waste of resources. <laughs> yeah. He had one mattress. He had a couple of nudie mags and a lot of tissues. He did. It was, <laughs> I was like, whoa. So random. Um, <laughs> Who wants, who's doing, uh, he goes to the, he goes to the trouble to orchestrate this and set this up knowing that he's going to lure, you know, this girl into this situation. Um, but also is is adamant about making sure that she will then understand the rules because i guess from his perspective he knows that if she dies obviously mm. it comes back to him right right well, explain i want to say you probably ought to just give us the let's hard talk rules. about this scene okay so give like, us the rules first so we can talk about like what does it mean when he yeah you know yeah kind of manipulates her and yeah so let's get to it by by talking about this scene here so we get that that theater date right and we get the first experience of him like looking over his shoulder he sees something that she can't see mm-hmm. right um he sees he says there's a girl in a yellow dress back there and she says what girl and like she can't see it but it's clear that he can't and so that's the first like and it's i like that in the beginning too that the movie does take its time with finally revealing any of the forms that the entity takes yeah. right and all of these initial shots we, first we don't see it at all and in this one it's blurry um until finally you know they go and they uh, they have sex in the car, right? They hook mm-hmm. up in the back seat after like driving to like the lakeside or whatever. And these shots of the car are fucking beautiful. This is yes, where that poster scene. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. That it's that cinematography by uh, Mike. J- is it uh, Jaluk Jaluk Jalakis? Jalakis? J. Spell that. G i o u l a k i s. It's like a Greek name. G i l o u g i o u. 
Jalukas. Jalakas? I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not a... I don't know. I think it's Mike Jalakas, but who also did the cinematography for us. uh, Talking about that, he did the cinematography. He works with Shyamalan to do Old Uh, and Famously uh, got contracted to do Roma for his uh, Sweeping Pants. Um, Which are very present in this movie. Cuaron directed that, uh, wanted to make a movie using that style of cinematography where mm-hmm. they like slow, they kind of slow pan across an entire panorama mm. of scenes. So it could be like a triptych almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and he specifically reached out for that cinematographer, which for this movie is fucking beautiful. Cause it, it contributes to the, like the function of the monster so well. Cause you, from those opening sequences, you're automatically starting to get trained to look in the background and look for all of those characters that are out of focus that then as the movie goes on, they'll start rack focusing to then they'll become clear. Um, so they have their date in the, in their like, they have like, he's like an Oldsmobile or something. They like driven up to like some weird desolate parking garage or something. And they're, they're doing it in the back seat. Uh, and then she like leans over, like the doors open. She's like leaning over the side. And I love those insert shots too, of the flowers as she's like picking them and telling her story about like dreaming as a kid of going on dates and holding hands with the boy. Right. After Aww. like, they've just hooked up. Yeah, no, it's very like, it's so bittersweet and poignant um, because as she's saying that we see him in the background, literally going into his trunk, pulling out a rag of chloroform and then sneaking up behind her. And she thinks it, it seems affectionate until the very last moment when he fucking chloroforms her. He like kisses her on the back of her head. Yeah. Like strokes her neck. And it's in that moment. Yeah, and it's it's in that moment too. But he's and it's funny though because the way that they decide to play that character is he's also like he looks like he's in pain though. He's like he looks like he's like upset about it. Um, and they finally yeah, (laughs) Amanda's shaking her head. Yeah, like yeah, like like, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Like okay, (laughs) does it though? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I will add to this because uh, my first watch of this movie, I didn't I didn't know that was gonna happen. Um, I didn't know, like, I just didn't know enough about it that mm-hmm. when, like, they leave the theater, I was like, oh, the guy's just kind of, like, creeped out or weird or something. We don't mm-hmm. know why. It's a horror movie that'll happen. Um, and up until he, like, when he chloroformed, I was like, what the hell is going on? I did not expect this at all. Even, like, the third watch, I'm like, oh, this is very tense because I know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. which is one of my other things about this movie is the third or fourth watch makes it really good. Mm-hmm. But the first watch, you're like, you're learning the rules of this movie as it's unfolding in front of you. And you kind of like, you think you trust this character. And then it turns out you really don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like a really harrowing encounter. Yeah. Because the very next thing that we cut to is uh, Jay waking up tied to a wheelchair, um, still in her underwear in the middle of like a a parking garage. And this is the scene where... Hugh slash like Jeff a, a explains. Abandoned, cracked parking garage. Yeah, it's weeds def- sprouting up. Yeah, definitely a, yeah, a deindustrialized area of like Michigan or something. And um, this is where we get him explaining the rules that, okay, this thing will constantly follow you. It's not it's not fast but it's not dumb like you have to make sure you never go into a place that only has one exit um and essentially it it can be passed on by having sex with somebody else um but if that person dies then it will just go down the line and go go back to you essentially and then go to the very first person who ever started it like all great curses like all great Mm. curses um because it sets up rules that yeah that aren't that don't make it explicitly easy to get out of the situation um and as he's explaining this he's jumping around and looking for it essentially like off the side of the parking garage and then we finally see it taking the form of like a naked woman who is slowly walking up to the parking garage um this is also a great camera moment too whenever we it's sort of like a uh, a visual gag that's revealed that 
there's a static shot that's on Jay throughout him monologuing this. Oh, and yeah. then when he finally, when he sees it, he wants to go and like wheel her around to like show it to her. And so he grabs the back of the wheelchair and spins her. And we realize that the camera has been, is like attached to the wheelchair because it moves with her and she never like leaves frame. And it's this really interesting. Like those rigs are always wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're called, well, I've, I've been told they're called snorry cam rigs. Hmm. Um, uh, used <clears throat> on, especially on, I think they, um, Aronofsky used it on, um, uh, the heroin movie. <laughs> <laughs> Requiem. Yeah, I started Requiem. to say, yeah. like, as soon as you said that, I forgot the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, really made it uh, super popularized through his use on Requiem for a Dream because he has a lot of those sequences where they're, like, tripping the hell out. Yeah. But they're on it, a it's a very disorienting, break. like, perspective so the actor to have. kind of guides the, the motion. Yeah. We talked about this actually with Mario on uh, Barbarian, too, because mm-hmm. in Barbarian, uh, Zach Cooperstein, the cinematographer for that movie, um, did that a lot in the flashback sequences to the fifth to the eighties. Whenever uh, you get the character Frank, and essentially the camera is like mounted yeah. to the back of him with one of those yeah, snorri yeah, cams, yeah. and like it, it follows him so that he never leaves the same did spot. I, did Demario call it a snorri cam? He would know he, better than me. Yeah, he might have. We'll have to go back and listen to Damn, it. He'd yeah. know better than me. Yeah, as of this coming out, that episode will be out for a while. So we'll okay. go check on it. Um, but yeah, so we we learn the rules in this opening sequence, and this is where. Uh, the, the analysis of this movie that we'll kind of like dive into later about the nature of this interaction. So I, I said this all up by talking about his experience with this versus like how Jay decides to handle it later on because right. she does end up for the rest of the movie, right? Going and passing it on, but it, it's only a temporary solution, right? Um, it works because it's like if, if you do it to somebody who doesn't know what's happening, then they will quickly be killed because they have no idea that this monster is coming for them. Um, or you Unless. give it to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you give it to somebody that uh, doesn't believe what's mm-hmm. happening uh, or the, which ends up being the resolution of this movie. You give it to somebody who then essentially shares the curse with you um, because you both can perceive it uh, and then just do your best to try to ward it off through subsequent I, uh, I love I love Hugh or Jeff Nay Hugh's uh, <laughs> pitch where he's like technically we could all survive this if we all fucked <laughs> <laughs> He says that. Yeah. He's like, you could, he's like, maybe we'll get lucky and a lot of people will have sex before, before, like after you, like yeah, right. you'll get lucky, like and you'll sleep with the guy who sleeps with a, a ton of people or like, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah. you, hopefully the chain just gets so long that it'll never get back to you kind of thing. Cause those are the questions that start to rise for me throughout the rest of the movie is one, can you give it to more than one person at a time? Like if so, if you have. Like you have sex with somebody, like well, we only is, see. I guess in this movie, linear. So exactly. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's so true. It's, yeah, yeah. It, the sex that happens in this movie is very specific because also it's like, does it work for same-sex sexual encounters? Like if you, yeah. Like, so that was the, not, that was the question that. my wife had. Was like, oh, does shit. penetration count? Exactly. Oh, is it only God. penetration? Like. Why not oral? Why not? Does just the person she was like I just blowing Amanda's the mind? Oh my She's God. like, yeah. She was like, do they have to come? Is like, is the is, giver? Does the giver have to, to come? Yeah. Does the yeah. receiver oh, have to come? Like, wow. what's the rules? Yeah. And honest to God, I paid so close attention when she passes it. I was like, okay, which one of them came? <laughs> <laughs> like, who's got it? No. Who's got it? Spoiler because- alert the dude <laughs> that's the thing it's it's also even kind of like implied later like so when she's uh making her second escape after like 
after Greg dies, right? She goes out, she drives out to like the country again and goes to the beach and she runs into those guys on the boat, right? And it happens off screen, but it's like kind of implied that she like went and had a sexual encounter with them or something, right? right? Yeah, and it's like, why off screen? What's going on? Yeah, but it, it's also kind of like, so, that's my question is like, does it go to multiple people or can you like switch who it's been cursed for, with? For someone right? who's probably, who might not have seen the rest of It Falls, we will get through this plot. Yes, but we will. I, <laughs> I, I, I want to highlight all this because we're bouncing around because the majority majority of this movie is about exploring the like the moral dynamic mm-hmm. of when you're cursed what do you do mm-hmm. and so it's a lot of like obviously the first you know third half of this movie is them like proving it even exists mm-hmm. so it's a lot of like we we're talking about it, was it really necessary for him to kidnap her mm-hmm. to prove this curse exists not at all the answer is no <laughs> yeah. and as you were saying i was thinking like oh of course a man would think like i need force to make this like yeah. work and uh would and well, like i should duct tape her to a wheelchair and then yeah. like explain everything while she's getting coming out of a you know drug induced coma or whatever there is a but the and it goes bounces through all these different ways of exploring like okay you can't beat it you can't you you can try and outrun it but you only have so much resources and you have the option of passing it on what does that mean though are Mm -hmm. you sanctioning murder if you pass this thing on yeah because that's the larger moral question is you're sanctioning survival you know yeah i don't think that's a fair thing to put on yourself like there's a larger uh there's two things there's there's a darker sort of like subtext well is it murder she doesn't tell them right yeah, that will, which kind of leads me to my next point, which is there's there's two things about this that thematically the thing that I want to unravel later is looking at this movie through the lens as uh, being rather than being a portrayal of, um, you know, sexually transmitted diseases or infections, a portrayal of, uh, you know, survivors of sexual assault. Right. Mm. Because the experience that Jay has after this whole interaction has all of the features and the hallmarks. She gets of, dumped on the side of a curve at 3 a.m. Yeah. Some guy yeah. that her friends don't really know. And then the way that she underwear. is sort of like processed by like the, you know, the police and stuff and how everybody kind of condescends to her. Like, well, maybe you should have known, like, you know, who, who was right. this guy? How do you he, not know anything about him? Her, like, so was it consensual? Yeah. And she kind of is like, I mean, which yeah. is the, the second part of, of what uh, there was a really, I mean, it, it kind of got thrown away in like a summary of one of the reviews or articles that I read, um, but when they were providing a, a quick summary of the movie, they way they explained the rules in their article was that it has to happen through a consensual sexual experience, and I was like, interesting, because the movie never explicitly says that, but we don't see an example of it otherwise, right. and it would be very dark if they started to approach that topic. Right. But that's the other implication is the idea of forcefully of, passing it on. Yeah. Well, there's well, that. Of, there's that, and then there's also like the idea of of. What the questions that this movie sort of asks about consent in general, yes. because technically, like the idea of Jay, technically the experience that they had could was conveyed could be conveyed as consensual, right? Right. But she wouldn't really have been able. The idea of her being able to give consent right. if she had known yes. that I am com- I am getting into this curse. It's not right? informed consent. Exactly. Yes. Well, that's kind and of how I it think, contrasts like... later with their experience with Paul, right? Where right. Paul yeah. willfully decides, I want to share this with you, and we are we are giving each other all the information about this thing that we're entering into together, and those two paralleled sort of that's experiences. Where I, I think kind of the metaphor of the STD kind of extends itself mm-hmm. the most because it's 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 literally like you know the, the similar concept in the modern world is like a lot of people will be like oh i didn't know my par- like i didn't right. know i got this because my partner never told me yeah um or like this was like a one-night thing i never thought this would happen yeah um and so i that's why like i see why it's so clear to people everyone's like yeah it's the std movie i'm like i mean it does kind of like write this metaphor for us 
that says like you know mm-hmm. if you're consenting to this you should probably be as well informed as possible mm-hmm. um but the other part is they're uh like it's just a fraught situation he's like an older boy they're teenagers yeah we don't know like we just don't know what her experience is but it's implied that like she just there there's so little education on her end to even think to ask that question mm. it's that um, but i think the other thing that like is is done well by the movie though is showing the like her experience and also like her like at being basically portraying like if you took out and changed you know the beginning of this movie and if she was the victim of a, of like sexual assault like the rest of the movie plays the same way like mm, essentially wow. like right. it it like her her performance like Mike Monroe's performance and her reaction and the way the scenes like the world around her interacts with her after this experience is very much the same it it plays exactly like she's a you know she's a victim and she's a survivor and so it's interesting how that like once I had that reading in my brain rewatching it again a couple of times in the last week it's like you just can't unsee it uh, you know for the rest of the movie um so let's talk about some of these other scenes here so like yeah the um the ominous score here too is kind of like really what punches out that yes. this whole thing about disaster piece, dude. Like yeah. we talked about the inspiration of like eighties. Like this is so Carpenter, man. Like this, it's it's synthy to a yes. comical degree that I, mm, I I was eating good. I fucking I love this <laughs> shit so much. Uh, I had you the, a synth guy. I I, I love like You're not. I'm not I'm not like no I am I, I am, am I don't know if Travis is I okay. am but like in in the right con- like for this situation I was like. Synth I had it, me up. Synth me, baby. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, I had the disaster piece, like the uh, um, the soundtrack playing as I was like typing like notes and stuff, and I was like, God damn it, this shit rips. It's so, <laughs> it's so. But it's it's also kind of like on the nose. Like it is very like because yeah. the movie is atmospheric, but the synth is just like it's fucking atmospheric, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> True. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's fucking great. So she goes through the experience with uh, with Hugh, um, and is trying to come to terms with it. And then these next couple of scenes, like I said, are, are played. It's it's basically like yeah, she's like a, you know a survivor who's going who's she, she gets goes to the hospital, she gets checked out. They're like uh, how old are they? Is there what twenty? I think 19? it's assumed that they're like freshly out of high school mm. or something. Because it feels like she's a community college, right? Yeah, but like a freshman or something. Yeah, that's what I figured. I figured that she was like nineteen or something, and that he was. He, they say he was twenty-one, right? Because they make a point about like yeah. he can legally drink, but he's older than her. Yeah. Um, but pointedly, like, so in one of these next sequences, one of the scenes that, like, stuck out to me the most most in the line of thought that we were just kind of laying out is, like, her staring at her body, like, in the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, opening her underwear and, like, looking at, like, her crotch and stuff and, like, just the the imagery of somebody, like, who has been, like, violated, yeah. essentially. Um, and we get a couple of, like, we get that creepy, uh, there's, like, a jump scare because these creepy little kids keep coming back to, like, try to peep on her mm-hmm. and, like, throwing kickballs at her window and shit. Um the first shots we get of the uh, the monster happen whenever we go to the community college. So she's like yeah. sitting in the the classroom, like listening to a lecture, and so very Halloween Carpenter what style. What poem are they reading? I was trying to look it up. <laughs> My uh, wife, she was like, I, n- I fucking know this. I one, know, right? She it's couldn't name it. The hmm. death, like like Lazarus or something. Uh, it was um, I can't remember the quotes that I like that I picked out of it, but. I didn't. I didn't find the exact like poetry that she was reading from. There are a couple of those that get dropped throughout the movie that kind of like have some it's, thematic it's association. It's just a very with, literary movie. So yeah. if there's a quote, it's probably not a throwaway. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they're they're kind of forced in there to sort of to to reference the, the events of the movie that and are to happening. sound cool, cool yeah. hipsters. It does. It right. does yeah. give exactly. it that. It gives it that veneer of uh, elevated horror that we're kind of uh, <laughs> or, or as keeps coming back in this uh, this series particularly, and we're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna keep hitting that uh, as we get to it, right? Um, but this is that scene, yeah. We're not, this is 
the the great carpenter reference where yeah she's like looking out the window and it's that old lady in like a hospital gown uh slowly walking towards her uh, and we got our first experiences of having it like chase her out of a building and stuff mm, chases <laughs> uh, it's technically a chase <laughs> technically she is being chased just right. at a very leisurely pace the whole movie is technically a chase if yeah. you're being if you're going slow yeah, yeah. logistically speaking yeah it's a logistics nightmare mm. the uh it, it doesn't take long for the friends to buy into the situation uh they definitely right. paul is, is definitely like he's obviously been smitten with jay like mm-hmm. for a very long time they set that up at the very beginning um and he offers to stay over with them i love how they make the joke they're like even scarier you're gonna wake up with paul humping your leg in the morning uh man they just... i was like oh leave paul alone <laughs> like, he didn't do anything He's just being nice. But they do all end up like staying the night at Jay's house. And this is that scene that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is probably the scarier scene of the yeah. movie. I think things get like once we learn the rules of the monster, like the rest of them, other than like the beach scene, whenever it changes quickly from like the uh, yeah. the woman to the little kid to the tall man again. Yeah. Um, this is that one where it, it's the most famous shot of the movie. Like you said, they chase each other through the house and stuff. You have like the woman who shows up who's mm-hmm. like, looks like she's like been murdered essentially. Like her teeth are knocked out and she's like urinating on the kitchen floor. Um, and in the course of like running upstairs, which is like bad move for this particular monster. Right. Like they lock her in the room and then there's the fake out with like Yara opening the door and you're like, oh, cool. Everything's fine. But that, that shot of that tall version of the entity, like crouching down to come under the door frame is just, yeah. yeah. Ooh, Chilling. It's good. Yes. It's good stuff. Um, she eats herself out the window and they... Uh... <laughs> we say that a lot on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. A lot of movies have people yeeting themselves out of windows, doors, I would just die, balconies. honestly. Like, I'm not brave enough. I'd be like, sorry, this is my time. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> uh, I lived a good life. Immediate lived, karma for Jeff. I've lived a good life. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nobody has sex with me. I'm trying to die. <laughs> God damn it. Why am I so irresistible? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, we meet. Uh, so like in the course of like this little chase sequence, uh, that's when Greg gets introduced. Uh, what would you guys think of Greg? Normal. Fine. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. He's kind of a, I thought of him as a foil to Paul. Yeah. Um, mm. As far as romantic interests go. And this is the other thing. Knowing what I know about the movie now, I'm like, oh, I can read so much more about his character my third or fourth time around. The yeah. first time I was like, I don't know. Kind of like a the um, God, like kind of like a dope smoking Steve Harrington, like yeah, and it's kind of a fuckboy. Season two ish, three ish, where they're like nice, but still like still kind of a fuckboy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was I'm going for this. I'm stretching for the Stranger Things. No, I'm, I'm feeling no, it, it. Yeah, it, it's it works. It's applying like throughout it. I mean, he had Paul good hair. Would be he wore denim. Jake, uh, that's Steve the, Harrington. What's the older brother's name? Older sister. Wait, who's Nancy. the Will? Will's older brother. Will's oh, older brother. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. Paul is like the Jonathan. Oh, totally. Kind of. Yeah. Right? That works. Yes, Paul's a Jonathan. So then Jay is Nancy. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And then, oh my gosh, and the gap tooth girl with the clam phone is Barbara. Max. Oh, or Max. <laughs> okay, interesting. She does. She does serve clam Barb. troll. Yara gets. Ca- she serves as a casualty later on too. Oh, and so, well, uh, have you watched this most recent season of Stranger Things? Oh yeah. Oh, then she's a better Max. Yeah. Yeah, I guess very so. good. Very good season. I can't wait. You saw it, right? You oh, said yeah. yes. Okay. Maybe when season five comes out, we'll. I have we'll cover pitched that. the Duffer Brothers should hire me to be their assistant multiple times <laughs> on this podcast. I will do. I will you make you eggs them, in the morning. Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. only way we're trying Actually to reach apply. them is through the podcast. Yeah. Dear Mister and Mister Duffer, please hire me. Yours truly. 
the entity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we get introduced to Greg through this sequence whenever, like, Jay, she steals a bike uh, and then, like, rides off to the park. I assume it's one of those creepy little kids' bikes or something. Uh, but she I rides... thought it was her bike. Really? It seemed like a, like a tiny, like, random bike. It's a deep, I don't know. Maybe, I like, her old somebody's... bike or something? Yeah. I don't know. This is like some fun cinematography too, where we're introduced to Greg because uh, he's like smoking a joint in the car with his girlfriend. I assume girlfriend, mom. mom? I was unclear. I don't know. Like he has a girlfriend. Like it was not his mom. No, it was some lady. He some quickly girl. abandons his girlfriend though to go For pursue Jay. Jay. Yeah, in this whole situation. That's what makes him a Steve. Yeah, hmm. he's definitely like that. Yeah, he 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 worms his way in by through acts of service. Uh, kind of thing and like tries to he he's on the scooby-doo hunt as soon as they start kind of like getting getting into things uh and getting into investigating shit yeah um, so she like panics and is like swinging around on a swing set her mm-hmm. friends go and find her and that's when greg walks up which at first when you see him you're like oh fuck it's the it's the entity <laughs> and then she like screams out because now you're clued in you're mm-hmm. like oh anybody walking up casually could be the entity true and now you're like just searching for random like is random that person, people is that person walking Don't in a straight line walk toward mm-hmm. me yeah what's the rule what, you stay they, right there make eye contact scream at them <laughs> so you like see that, that person they yes. don't oh, like okay cool they don't have the characters like the characters don't address the like the entity every single time that it shows up in the movie which is right. kind of fun i like that playing going back and forth between them actually perceiving it and then when it shows up only for the audience right because yeah. this whole next section is like that happens here whenever they 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 figure out Hugh's name is Jeff by like they find a they go to the house that he was renting they find that disgusting place where he was apparently just masturbating just jacking and, it he did he really like and drank a lot of soda he had like soda cans the uh, hilarious the like juxtaposition juxtaposition between like that place and where his actual house was like in the suburbs and stuff you're like you're like, man, I'm really impressed that that guy put himself through that because it seems like he's used to, used to nicer sort of like amenities and accommodations. The house is all dressed up with like sound traps. Like the, I guess the idea is that they, he's laying traps that will alert him if the, the entity comes through the window or something. Um, yeah, he, he's living in this like uh, up like attic like room or whatever on a mattress with a bunch of nudie mags and conveniently has one picture of himself and I guess like an old girlfriend or friend or something with a Letterman jacket. That... The way you phrase that though is like a bunch of nudie mags and a photo of himself. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. What? Just like I taped guess... over yeah. the people in the magazine. <laughs> he just takes <laughs> his face <laughs> over and just glues it. He's only the, just the epitome of narcissism. He can only love himself. Hey. It follows me. Like big thumb like pointing to himself. What is that called? What kind of sexuality is it when you're attracted? Like, autosexual. There... Autosexual. Sorry yeah. I knew that right yeah. away. But... I love that that's perfect yeah how would the monster okay never mind i guess that doesn't really work how would the monster know that we don't like jeff no how would you wouldn't set it on this podcast exactly well that's the thing that's the problem is like does does the monster care about sexualities it's like if because it would be fascinating to see if it's like they have to i guess i don't know they would get grosser as them unraveling like the mechanics of like which type of sexual encounters qualify for the monster to like you know this is somebody else i don't know it's yeah, do you? Do it's you like that. Know, like, what are your? I I know. I'm, holes? I'm having thoughts. Chuck, don't like, I don't feel like say that. Just... <laughs> to that point, oh, is inject it the... yourself. <laughs> is um, it like okay? Uh... May I may I bring up the poopo loophole? Like, is, oh, is it the old Christian? Oh, thing? Old LOL. Christ... Yeah. that's so funny. No, like okay. the Catholic loophole, like where it's like if you do it in the butt, it's not. Really, it doesn't count. Like, it doesn't nah, count. it counts. It's penetration. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Which, absolutely. That's correct. what I'm saying. Is yeah. like for the sake of this move, for this movie's yeah. sake, we're arguing that. Yeah, it has anal to be... also counts. Yes, you would be haunted by the by the entity. 
were the sexual con I'm trying to phrase Does this it the carry right over way. then like I'm the idea so hard. Yeah. Um may I speak to this as a queer Hello hi I'm a queer I would Please like to inform us. So <laughs> I'm leaving you just all you from now on So okay whenever I first came out right like I had like a list of encounters in case somebody asked me what my number was because like in the year 2020 no in the year 2010 like that was like a thing it would Mm. be like how many people like that was like one of the first questions you would get asked which is annoying but then I had to like start rethinking my number once I started having sex with women Mm. because I was like oh shit this is like completely different from how I counted it before and if Mm -hmm. I if I'm counting what we're doing as sex in quotes then I gotta count like way more people back there (laughs) you know so if it's not counting non-penetrative sex then it is discounting the very real romantic relationships and encounters of women together right yeah or slash non-binary people with vaginas etc etc if it is counting same sex encounters then it feeds into my theory mm. um so i have a new theory so Ooh. can i can i build yeah from, please do okay i'm building from where i was before so we're we're in texas for you know listeners and they only teach abstinence here and i don't know if y'all remember the assemblies where you would go to like the first assembly that i went to i was in the eighth grade and they did the shit where it would they crumpled a piece of paper and they were like, make it flat again. That's what you do when uh, you have yeah. sex. Like you're crinkled now. But then they said some shit that was like every person that you have sex with, like you're having sex with all the people that they had sex with. First of all, no, the fuck you're not <laughs> <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> no, you are not. But that's like that's STD propaganda scare tactic. Shit. Yeah. It's like if you have sex, you will get, you know, sick and die or get pregnant in high school and then have to drop Those out, the right? the only two things that, that could possibly happen. It truly is, right? Yeah. So, um, and if you are told about condoms, it's to say that they are not 100% effective, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the, <laughs> the slip in there. Hey-o. Hey. Hey. Slipping it on in there. <laughs> right. This, this podcast, this episode is going to be riddled with fucking innuendo. Oh, yes. I, I'm here absolutely. for it. Absolutely. <laughs> no, yeah, we're, we're in it now. Um, so with, with that in mind, right? Whenever I first watched it, I was like, you know, with my spiritual trauma lens, this most recent Wikipedia read through, because I was like, nah, I'm not going to rewatch this. Like the second chance was enough and I enjoyed it enough that I'm like, I don't need to see it again. So I read this book recently called Rethinking Sex. Are we ready for this kind of conversation? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the premise of this book is like that consent makes a great floor, but not a good ceiling. And this is what the author means. And I don't agree with them on every, you know, angle, but I'll, I'll tell y'all. So basically, it's like as long as somebody is consenting, like what y'all do together is like fair game. Oh, right. right. But yeah. it doesn't really take into account like social politics, like mm-hmm. who has like more power dynamic. Like right. is the other, does the other person feel like it's OK to say no, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so the author is talking about like hookup culture and how like women, um, she does not talk about non-binary people like really at all. Like her, her shtick is like women, which I mean, fair and, but also people with vaginas, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, that they get like the short end of that stick. Mm-hmm. Right. And that like taking power 
like the sexual revolution, like women taking on power of their sexuality was to have sex like a man. Yeah. And this weird idea that like if you just treating the same coming at it from the same perspective of like just treating the sexual encounter like a conquest or like a. um, You're dehumanizing each other. No, but check this out. This is exactly what's going on in this movie Mm -hmm. is it's like hookup culture. You have to pass it on. Right. You know, and but like what are you passing on? It's like this kind of dread. Yeah. Where you like you want a kind of closeness so like something you said earlier Daniel was like really poignant to this theory which is like it's almost easier to get closer to a stranger yeah do you know what I mean like yeah. it's easier to pass it on and it to also a stranger it also works with the way they ultimately resolve like I mean that is the ending of that's the happy ending of the mm-hmm. movie is the idea that um Paul and Jay like just end up sharing the curse together because they well, but he passes it on to a prostitute. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's also implied is that yeah. he's going out and and uh, and inflicting it on other people. Yes, but at least Who's within the bounds, on and on and right? On. Yeah, at least within the bounds of like their relationship that they've somehow found, like you know, at least a situation that they're comfortable with, mm-hmm. like moving forward with. It's a yeah, it's it's interesting. It would be it would be fascinating to see a different version of this movie that is like weirdly empowering by having the monster also pursue people through like non like a, like a same sex like in a counter like yeah. if like Jay goes out or like Jay and Yara hook up or something yeah. and then it's like where are the queers at <laughs> yeah for sure the, the sex scene there are sex scenes in this in this movie but they are the classic like they're like TV sets sex scenes like they happen under blankets and it's like you know <laughs> that's so true it's uh, yeah. all of the uh, there is nudity but it's like you it's know a it's a lot of gasping from yeah the waist up yeah yeah it's not it's not like HBO nudity it's yeah. uh it's definitely yeah. just uh, some very polite the some only polite nudity bonus. is the entity really mm, you're so right yeah. <gasps> we don't ever see the characters get naked whoa right right yeah unless they're the entity yeah whoa and in the entity's case that nudity is spooky yeah like intentionally (laughs) yeah i'm not just saying like naked people are scary i'm just saying like this movie wants us to be scared (laughs) of creepy old men standing on roofs being completely naked no that's so true oh and remember okay so in hereditary like Right whenever shit goes down at the end of the movie and you like kind of pan oh, over yeah. and it's that naked dude yeah. in the doorway. Bunch of naked people. Surprise Nudity naked is like people is now. very scary. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be surprised by a naked <laughs> at guy. At all. No, I think I think we can that, confidently assert it, that. Especially when it's a man like that, that's illegal. That's just flat out <laughs> sure illegal. It is. Yeah. You can't just that's be illegal naked for, a for strangers. <laughs> yeah. You just you don't do that. It's not okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me let me soft pitch this question to you because my wife brought it up and she was kind of, she was kind of laughing about it, but it I was laughing. I was like, I will I will tell everyone on this podcast. What if you had sex with the entity? Whoa! I think it would kill you. Right? Like, would it full? Fo- I mean, whenever it, the goal it, is it would Greg, kill you. It kills but what Greg if you like could? with sex, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> this, that's what I'm pitching, though. It would like fold in on itself, of, like trying to murder it, itself, or would it become part oh, of the cycle? Shit. And like, there would be a thing that follows it. You know? Yeah, I guess it depends on like what. Because do we ever see like what happens when it first gets to somebody? Yeah, um, it's kind of a mixed bag, and I think that's kind of that's that's a little gripe that some people that want to mess with the mechanics of it kind of have is that it seems to have different methods for killing people depending mm. on like what situation it's in. Like it happens off screen, but the first killing of Anna, right, is like we see her and her body is like all contorted, like it bent her it, legs are yeah, it snapped her her leg off or like strangled her or something, presumably. Yeah. And every time that Jay has an interaction with it, it starts off pretty like. Can I mean she's she's got plot armor as a protagonist of the movie, but right. like it goes up and like lifts her hair up, right? Yeah, and doesn't really ex- like attack her explicitly like on first sight, but then later on it will throw like 
appliances at her. Yeah. Yes. And Mary Kate misunderstood because she thought like if it touches you, you just die. Yeah, because he says um, in earlier, he says, don't let like, it touch you. Like it kind of just beats yeah. the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's basically what it does. Yeah. So if there's a moment where you could woo it, yeah. you know, before it got like, aggressive. Can we talk about you, this? <laughs> or if you're like, I like it, but this is my safe word. You yeah, know? Right? <laughs> Ooh, as long me. as you and the entity <laughs> consent. <laughs> the consentity. It follows. <laughs> <laughs> that actually should be the name of this thing. Instead of it follows, it fucks. Can that be the fucks. name of this episode? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the consentity. Uh, so yeah, they figure out that, the, that uh, Hugh's real name is Jeff. Um, they they figure out up, that Jeff sucks. Yeah, he Jeff, does, Jeff yeah. is a piece of shit. Yes. Uh, they end up finding his his cute little suburban house and having a little uh, intervention in the backyard. His mom like practically brings them like tea and cookies and stuff. Um, Which I, man, was he living in another? Ho- what did he tell his mom? Like right? I'm gonna go stay at a friend's <laughs> place and then go to another house he was renting so he could jerk off and be surrounded by bottles. That's his jerk off. I'm house. not making this yeah. up. That's his jerk off house. house. It's his jerk off house. Yeah. He's only Hugh. Probably. But like obviously he couldn't lead her to his real home. Like he didn't want yeah. to include uh, Jay as part of his actual life. He lied to her about his name. Uh, he lied to her about where he lives. Which is All also not things. informed consent. Like when you lie to somebody just to like get them into bed. Right. You know? yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, and so there's, yeah, it's, it's like, this is all coming back to him now and he's like oh shit they found me yeah, yeah. they're pretty okay with jeff like after that they just kind of let him be i guess because they they run off the movie the... makes a in i don't i don't i do not particularly condone or condemn in any direction um the movie itself makes a point of jeff being panicked about rand like he's a he's kind of got a like agoraphobia or whatever, where you can't go out into wide open spaces. Yeah, because he's been because he he suspects like he's Jay is the is the new target, but he's in her proximity. If she dies while he's near her, it immediately goes to him. Yeah, and oh. so he can't be around her is one of the other reasons he's yeah. nervous to see her because he he's and he says I can still see it. Mm-hmm. Like ew, why? Why would they be able to? No, that. That's how count. that's how it works. Apparently, is like whenever yeah, yeah you can still you you will always the be able to see second, it even if last, it's not chasing yeah, you. Yeah, if you yeah if you've had it, you can always see it. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of says like I can still see it, but it's following you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie makes a point that he is like all kinds of fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like when you he's been like holding it together, lying to her. But when we meet him, he's like he can't go out in public spaces. He's terrified mm-hmm. of her. He you know has apparently put himself he. Fa- they ask him like where he got it from, and he's like, "I don't know, some girl I met at a bar." Yeah, and I like a one night stand. Like, and, I, there's yeah. no way to find out. Yeah. So the the curse, like that, one of the one of the themes of curse movies is to follow the trail all mm. the way to the beginning, but there is no beginning because it cuts off. And yeah. So there's, and he's like, this I and I learned, like, I learned it'll kill people yeah, if I pass it. Like he's been like, kind of chipping away at his own sense of identity and morality by choosing to look, to kill people with this thing and in such a and and convincing them in such a brutal manner right yeah. like he's clearly got a system for this now but uh that like the movie makes an effort to be like this guy's just fucked up yeah, the, the, which doesn't condone or like I don't condone or condemn his behavior, but it seems to be the way that they get these teenagers to be like, well, he's fucking useless now. Yeah, it's our mm-hmm. problem to deal with. Right. The article that I read that like kind of laid out that theory that we talked about about this being not a metaphor for STDs, but for you know sexual assault survivors, also uses his behavior as an example of it, showing how like 
even for for a man right who if the metaphor in the movie carries through the idea that he was also experienced this thing that jay also experienced right um, and inflicted it on her that he demonstrates similar responses that you would to you know if he were like a male you know survivor as well right him being eternally traumatized and in fear of going out and existing in the world because of the the thing that he internalized with himself right um yeah, the, the this whole next part where they're like on the beach and stuff, right? They do mm-hmm. like so they get their info and they're yeah. like, "All right, let's go buy some time." Yeah, Greg has a nice lake house, which is man, this house is beautiful. God damn it, I want to go live at the fucking lake house in like Michigan or whatever. This this shit was was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also very like the aesthetic of the movie kind of shifts too a little bit in uh the production design leans I feel like even more into that sort of antiquity. Like they've got all, a bunch of like beautiful vases and. Uh, the the decoration of this lake house is is a lot of like old timey, um, very ornate like furniture and stuff. Um, and the camera work here too. There's a lot of like montage kind of stuff, like interspliced cuts of Greg like walking out to the shed of the lake house through various like stages of day and like morning and nighttime. Um, it's really pretty. It's a nice little like. So if they're like in meditative de- in kind of like suburban Detroit. Because they talk about Eight Mile, right? At one point, which, if I'm not mistaken, is Detroit. Yeah, I think it's because it's also I don't know. David Robert okay. Mitchell is from uh, like a uh, suburb of Michigan, right. and so he kind of like shoots. So and it sets would be up a, it would be a lake. Yeah, uh, is it sorry. Lake Michigan? I think yeah, I think it's it would like be Michigan, Lake Michigan. Right? Yeah. yeah, I assume so. Wow. It'd be on Lake Michigan. Yeah, super sleuths. Yeah. You have figured out the location of the movie. Yeah. One of one of my favorite. <laughs> they, I wish uh tyler was here he's a medical professional as i like to describe him and i tell everyone i'm like i love asking tyler how practical the deaths in movies are oh, did fine. you listen to the tucker and dale episode yet? no not yet so I'm working uh, on it. our friend jeff that was on that episode uh we were getting to i called it in that episode in that movie because tucker and dale has a lot of kills in it and i was like we'll get to tyler's kill corner in a second and first and yes. and for a second he jeff dropped this soundbite that he didn't even know i was gonna fucking mess with because he goes tyler kill, kill corner. corner he i've asked him multiple times i'm like would you die if this happened how would you, how would this kill you would this kill you would you really die if this happened like if you got speared through the eyeball with a uh, pitchfork would you die instantly the answer is i don't think so we agree really? you have to like go <gasps> up into the brain yeah. oh man the, I would the hope ocular I would die socket instantly. it's not a straight shot to the brain oh, that upsets me a lot. we talked about this on that That's Tucker thing, and Dale episode. Survived yeah i don't like, like it some of the very first like weird medical anomalies is like railroad work railroad, railroad workers, workers getting like a, a, a railroad spike, a spike like through, through their, their orbital and, and like survive and like going to the hospital and being like you know everything worked out because they just hit some part of their like orbital or their they say that's like or something. i think i remember reading that's how they understood that that part of this the frontal part of the brain controls certain parts of your right. of your like brain function because the person who had damage to it just like switched overnight yeah, like a yeah. Person. i heard but that too that was all my i, I wish wow. tyler was here <laughs> we'll get we him. call we'll, him we'll get to can we call him i want to know <laughs> i've never done that before yeah uh i don't want to bug it it's a little is okay. he working <laughs> he might be working if he's working he's busy saving lives yeah, yeah fair enough yeah um, but yeah, so that at the lake house they get uh, they start training with the uh, doing target Girl, practice. Like, with the, what are you doing right now? Like, <laughs> I'm stitching someone's liver. Like, yeah, not important. Answer these questions, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he, uh, yeah. So we're, they they practice with the revolver. They're doing like target practice and shit. And then we get the the scene on the beach. Like, so this is the, the scene on the beach, right? Where it it walks up like behind her. Right and like lifts her hair up. Uh, mm. and that, see, I that was the most iconic shot of the whole movie to me. Yeah, uh, I, I remember what you said, like the jump scare. But I remember that beach scene mm. detail by detail. Yeah, like, I was and 
it's that I'm daylight like, oh, horror man. man like having scenes where it's like in the broad daylight but it's still like when you because like it takes them a long time to see it right yeah. but the audience like for us we see it you know slowly walking up through the the trail in the background um, and it takes a minute to where it's invisible again for we're getting the perspective of everybody else in the scene and it's it lifting her hair up slowly and then yeah. Paul coming up and trying to like slam it with a with a fucking beach chair and then just getting <laughs> boinked off screen like it was I so- think he gets yeeted off screen. <laughs> I was trying to avoid saying yeeted. No, you again. should definitely say yeeted. He gets yeeted off screen because I guess the monster, yeah, just like kicks him in the chest or something or like tosses Sparta, him. Sparta like 300 <laughs> style just flicks him this across the is fucking... This Michigan! <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. I'm not that Allegedly. Sad. Yeah, she takes all. They all take off into the shed, and that's the spot too where it changes forms like rapidly from that young, from like a woman to like the tiny little child. It's like a, it's a version of the kid from earlier, right? One of the creepy kids right. that was like peeping on her, and it like bending its head down and like screaming at her through the hole that it just kicked in the shed. Right, was really jarring. Um, I mean, she gets a few shots off. Yeah, she manages to like <laughs> clip it in the neck, right, and it falls down briefly. Yeah. Um. So it it could be temporarily incapacitated. I seriously, I feel like that shouldn't be a thing. Like, yeah. I feel like the bullet should just go through it. Like how, like people can't see it yeah. or touch it, but a bullet. It starts. I mean, a gun can get anything. Apparently, but, you can touch uh, it though, because Paul whacked it with a chair. Oh, right. fair enough. Yeah, yeah you're right. Maybe it's just they can't see it. It really Ugh. seems to be that it's just invisible to everybody, but the the person who sees it. Um, but it can touch. Like, why not kill other people? Why only the people of sex? Yeah. You know? The, the, the sexual ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It does. Well, it has to have some kind of ground rule, Motive. right? Or else it's yeah. just fucking murdering everyone. An invisible it's creature actually an that incel. no one can see. It's the first incel. It's <laughs> like, y'all if are I fucking. Sex, I know. No one yes. can. <laughs> it's just well, pissed off. If it, it was, like, that powerful and that invisible, like... It, well, it would just... They'd be, it'd be like a disease. They'd be like, oh, the breakneck flu gotcha. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Sexually transmitted breakneck oh, Bummer. It is. I mean, but it is. It is because in that sense, it's, like if it was it's basically Michael Myers by its sexual laws. <laughs> yeah, yeah it'd be a Michael Myers. Yeah, it, it just murdering away. Yeah, but why? Like, I don't know why you're dismissing that. Like, that's a way better movie. I need no. I like, need rules, or else I'm like, I don't know. It's just gonna fucking murder everyone. <laughs> yes. Like Halloween. That was a classic. Like, yeah, but they could see Why are him. you upset? They like, could. They could fight him. <laughs> This thing, I don't like. If it's, it's almost too powerful. That's what I'm saying. It's like, okay. it's like it would be too op, overpowered. It would just like we no one would be able to see it, and like if it's not bound by any laws, it's well, not it would like have, it would have different rules. Then you know, if it yeah. wasn't the sex, it would be something else. Yeah. You know? what, would, what would be a new rule? Like, it would. What's something you could like pass on to someone? Or like in Smile, whenever it's like you know just the witnessing, witnessing somebody murder themselves. I yeah. loved that movie. Oh, it's so yeah, it's fucking much. fantastic. Um. Yeah, I mean that's that like that's the whole point of this kind of of the trope of this movie is or the effect of it too is that's the whole thing about this monster is it does subvert that classic horror trope of like it's like in Halloween or in any of the Friday the Thirteenth movies the idea that the horny teenagers are punished mm. for having sex essentially yes. because I mean, the whoever the antagonist is only attacks like it's the whole scream yes, thing where it's yes. like for rule one of horror movies don't have sex exactly. right and this movie is like well you gotta. You go, you <laughs> so that's that turns out that's the only way to actually fight the monster. Totally. Right. Um, they so this is where she crashes her car, right, and then like ends up in the hospital, and they have hospital sex, and which is yeah. Why do you well, think like the that? Most... Like, it's, like it's its own genre of sex, like that people well... have. <laughs> no. Oh. Well, they they 
have hospital sex. Do you, you want to tell her? Like one does. Should I? A lot of nurses. This do you want to tell Andy or should I? And they seemed like they were. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, we need to call you. Oh my god. <laughs> no. I've go. seen Grey's Anatomy. I, I know that's true. They do it in the napkins. They all fuck in those places. I bet they do. You reminded me of my joke title for the new "Pray for the Devil" that I, I, I warned against watching Pray for the Devil as my recommendation on the last episode we recorded. Mm-hmm. My joke it? t- it's fucking awful. My my joke title for it though was Praise Anatomy. Um <laughs> it was cuz it, it That's it, excellent. Ooh, it's essentially shivers. a it's essentially a medical shivers. drama. I have goosebumps right here. With wow. Catholic propaganda and shit in it. But um yeah, they they have hospital sex, the most joyless hospital sex that you you'll ever see and it's it's really kind of gross. Like I feel like this is even this scene hey, was even grosser to me than any of the is. Jeff stuff. Well, there's any of the Jeff stuff? Not well, yeah, maybe yeah. not all of it, but it, in a lot of ways it's implied that it's like r- like mandatory sort of. Like here's here's my thought process. Mm. Um and this is uh, kind of alludes to what you were saying earlier about um sexual trauma survivors. But specifically in that they give it their best shot and like they, sh- they fucking shoot this thing and they see it fall. She sees it fall and get back up. And that like wipes away your last hope of like, maybe I can kill this. Mm-hmm. And so I that's see. when she makes the decision. Yeah, I don't I have to pass it. But she makes the informed consent decision. Yes. And passes the consentity over yes. to uh, like shitty guy Greg. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't like even believe in it. Right. No. no. And, and it's kind of implied. I felt like it was implied that he was kind of going along with this for the set. Like, yeah, yeah but that's to get a lot to do yeah. for the set. But She's I mean, the hey, next the door. power of boners will prevail. Like, yeah. You're really overestimating men. I guess <laughs> so. Like, it's just a lot of work. And it, the way it fits in, like thematically to the, the whole premise of the movie that these characters characters that like you know those infected with it are can be seen as like allegories for survivors right is the idea of him being the type of partner or a person who comes into the like the life of a survivor who doesn't really believe their their story or doesn't believe them about their experience or their or their like trauma, only right? to the length that it benefits them Ex- yeah mm. and is 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 only going along with it or or doesn't never fully like actually trusts or like you know but there is something you say about like the imagery of some of this like when they're having sex she mm-hmm. specifically looks away and is getting like zero pleasure out of yeah. this and that that you know it it would be her first sexual encounter after getting the consentity Mm-hmm. Yes, because I'm trying to make this a name. I love it. Um, but it would explain like her, it, it, just her deep seated fear about this whole entire thing. It, it almost wouldn't have mattered who it was because it would have been her first time back, and mm-hmm. that just is a sense memory you cannot. So true. You cannot just get over your first time back is to me the, is, would be traumatic. Sunday scaries. I make it back to the everybody goes home and like he tries to come check up on her and like uh jay is like looking out the window kind of just sort of paranoid waiting for the monster to come back essentially um they they like they ask him like have you seen anything he's like it's been three days i've i've got nothing I'm, yeah I, and he he kind of says like i they like tell her like you believe her though and he's like yeah, I mean, I, guess, I believe that but she I believes something. Yeah, yeah, he's like, but I don't. I haven't seen anything. Like, mm. I haven't seen anything with my own eyes. Yeah. Right. How could I believe her if yeah. this is what she says? Why believe a woman? <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, and th- but I think that's where it hammers home that idea of like him being somebody who doesn't like you know 
he's he, he's not believing the story or not believe, like really fully understanding or making an attempt well, to understand Well, there's her. like inserts of him in, in, and the thing I love to add to why this movie is so interesting to me is it, it plays out time. Is like so yeah, they get out of the hospital and then there's like a montage of like just time passing. Mm-hmm. And there's him like in a uh, cafeteria yeah, he's like, like yucking it up with people. a couple other gr- a yeah, couple other girls. Yeah. And it almost feels like he's moved on since her yeah. or the like he got kind of what he wanted yeah. and is and has since moved on which mm-hmm. adds to what you were saying yeah. earlier andy about you know hookup culture right um except that he you know and he, he he does go back to try and talk to her she's um agoraphobic as well she won't leave her house mm-hmm. she keeps her own door locked she like doesn't even leave her own bedroom mm-hmm. um and then that so she doesn't sleep so that night when he's you know off asleep in his bed she's like she lives across the street from him. She's watching his house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This murder is, I think, one of the... I, yeah, I start to, like, be less afraid of the monster as the movie goes on because it becomes, like, more and more corporeal. Oh, I get yeah. more terrified. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this... The the thing I liked a lot... This is what made my screening so impactful was I remembered the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first time watching it, I'm a little, like, those sharp cuts, the slow burns. You're kind of, like, not sure what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. But when you know what to expect, it's... The movie's actually... An, an impressive exercise in tension building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're like, you start to, like early in the movie, I knew what it was. I knew what it was happening. I started to scan the frame more frequently looking oh, yeah. for mm-hmm. like, where's the thing that walks before she kind of <laughs> discovers it because you just got, you're like, Oh, it's around here somewhere. Yeah. And there's multiple times where you're faked out as an audience member who's already clued in. You're like, Oh, that's it. And then it cuts and you're like, Oh, I guess that wasn't it. Mm. Um, but knowing the outcome made it all the more terrifying because that's interesting. Um, it's the inevitability of even their own movie, and, which is what the movie's talking about. This is it's an inevitable conclusion. Knowing it makes it all the more terrifying, mm-hmm. which was part of the quote from The Idiot that they use at the oh. beginning. Oh, yeah. When they talk about uh, knowing about, I think it's something about like knowing that you're, or at the very end, they say like knowing you're going to die is as painful as the pain of dying. Yeah. In Oof. a lot of ways. Yeah. That is another like. That's like the thing that scares people the most about death. Yeah. The looming threat you. of mortality. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is the other like thought experiment that fits into this well. Is like if you could learn how and when you're going to die, would you want to know? Yes. And in this, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and this I would. movie, And this movie kind of like, it could, you could see that as being one of the, like answering that question being like how terrifying is it to to have that looming over you constantly just knowing like the chronic condition right uh, of it being constantly there yeah his his death is like is pretty scary and intense i guess it's odd the idea of this is also where the the entity the consentity starts like uh doing (laughs) it starts like strategizing right because it like it tries to get it through the door and then we see it like throw a rock through the window and you're like oh it's smart now uh, he does say that it it's not uh, dumb Hugh says that will it, it will employ he kind of says it'll employ strategies to get you to open the door mm. yeah um, or to get close to you yeah and so I assume this is a new strategy yeah it just breaks a window and breaks in and then right before it kills Greg it changes into his mom Ooh. yeah with a with one breast one titty out one titty out <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Uh, he's like, <laughs> he, uh, We're the worst. Yeah. She's like knocking on his door and he opens and he's, he goes, Mom? Uh, and then it, yeah, it suffocates him or to death. But like, and, grinding and then the budget runs the out time. and they have to do a, a fun lighting effect. That was yeah. the only time I was like, Okay. Oh, was it like the lightning thing? Yeah. Because right they show, they just show, um, 
Jay walking in and she's like, ah, like mm-hmm. panicked. She's just not like screaming. That was a bad impression. <laughs> but she's standing there like, what the fuck is going on? And they're kind of like uh, flashing kind of like a thunder strobing effect mm-hmm. on her. Mm-hmm. And then, it, so we're like, oh, I guess this kill happens off screen. And it cuts to the reverse, which is his dead body just like being humped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you say like I know. I, that was passive voice, too. That was bad. We see hit the, 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 the consentity humping yes. on the form yes. of his mother humping yeah. his dead body. Non-consentity. Uh, non-consentity. It really exactly. is a non-consentity. Yes. <laughs> They're the ultimate non-consentity. Truly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Calm down, game. Uh, um... I'm sorry. <laughs> <I know. laughs> God damn it. Uh, Do you know what I heard? Can I interject really yes, quick? I please. heard recently that... Please help me out. And I don't know that this is true because I learned this from TikTok. And so take this with a grain of salt. Definitely fact check me. But I heard that it's possible, or at one time it was possible in France to marry a corpse. Huh. And I'm like, did that mean necrophilia you had to then? You had to... or, Right? Well, here's my counterpoint. Uh... What if it's true, but it's true because of husbandry laws? What do you mean? Like, what if, uh, in order for a woman to be able to claim like certain rights, oh. but her the man she was engaged to died before she had the opportunity? Oh, she doesn't want to fuck uh, him. She just wants his money. Yeah. No, like Ultimate what if gold digger? But what if they wrote that law for a specific case? Like, this is one mm-hmm. of those examples where okay. it's like, oh, we or there was a high mortality rate at a certain point, mm-hmm. and so young or like slightly older unmarried men who were in the in like the middle of courtship process had like you know they the women would have to prove that he that they would have intention to marry her oh. but they could have like maybe provided a document beforehand that said like um that's not marriage but i guess the like she'd be able to prove in court that they were going to get married so you could legally marry a corpse and inherit all of his rights okay well because fine. Make you don't that have normal right. then daniel because like it's because not because like i the, assume uh... in france whenever this law happened that the women probably didn't have rights i'm like we're also can assuming you legally that this law, fuck a corpse yeah. and daniel is like hang on a second here's a perfectly reasonable explanation it's not about fucking the corpse it's about getting the corpse's money exactly that's, that's yeah. the sound button we're Jesus. just I'm gonna so put, that's clear. Gonna be the, that is going to be the cold open of the episode. I love <laughs> just so we're clear, that means a smart woman argued in front of a court that she could marry a corpse in order to get his deeds, and I think that's pl- applause worthy. I think I in that instance, I, if it was to fuck a corpse, that sucks, and that is, makes a lot more sense. A lot like of conjecture going yeah. on, but there's plausibility to it's it. It's just one of those things. that's so specific. I'm like, this sounds like a really weird court case that somebody had to go through to yeah. prove it in order to win something. Now right. that I'm talking about it, I'm definitely going to do more research. Do more and research. I will report back. Yeah. <laughs> Can you go- Google it? Can you fuck a corpse legally? No, in I am not googling that. You are not you tricking me. Up. Incognito mode, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't care. Someone is tracking that still. Go. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> we already talked about the the beach scene with the boat guys that happens next because uh, she's she runs off and like greg bites it and that's like a huge existential crisis <laughs> yeah so she she runs away she falls asleep on the hood of her car which is admirable i guess i don't know how mm. yeah her she's in a cast neck. this whole time too because she oh, broke her right. arm in the, i forgot uh, the cornfield yeah. or some kind yeah, of yeah she's field. very cavalier getting wet while wearing that cast too mm. she like swims a lot and that was my wife she was like that cast is disgusting. I know. It would be <laughs> real gross. That was her biggest note. Yeah. 
Um, because not only in that like that lake scene with the boat guys. I want to go to this boat on. scene though, because I I actually didn't think she slept with them. You don't think so? Why uh, did she get naked and approach them? That's yeah. such a strange thing to do. But uh, like a siren. Right, right, right. There's a few things about this. That's why I want to talk about because I I could be convinced either way. But so to set it up, she she panics because Greg dies. Right. She literally like sees it happen. Yeah. Um. She understands. In my mind, uh, she then flees and just gets in a car and drives as far as possible. Goes to the coast and on the coastline sees a boat with um what we assume are like younger youngish men, um arguably fishing or just being goofy dudes with beers in a boat, which <laughs> is boat probably bros. more likely. Yeah, me and boat bros. But uh, she then strips <laughs> down that. to uh, a top and um and her panties. Um, and then proceeds to like, I know I hate that word. I just <laughs> you, really hate you that really word. I really didn't want to say panties. I don't like it. <laughs> you could have said I don't underwear. like it. I know. Her underwear. Yeah. Um, and then proceeds to like slowly approach the uh, the shores of the lake and then stand there for an extra couple seconds. But here was right. my thinking mm. is she just witnessed uh, the person she passed it on to get murdered. And so she realizes that it, if she passes it, maybe it shouldn't be someone she knows. Yeah. So she kind of walks through that. But then... I, my thought was she goes this distance. She understands it's going to follow her no matter what. Mm. So why not pass it to these strangers? But I felt like she walked through some of the moral arguments is like, do basically do what Hugh did to her, to them. Right. But she kind of comes to the opposite conclusion where she says, like, my thought was like, if I don't tell them what's happening, right? Like what I have and it could get them killed. Yeah. Am I sanctioning murder? Hmm. Okay. But check this out. Because if that's the case, then what I needed to see was an additional like two seconds of her turning away. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The it, fact that it, the scene cuts and she is still facing the boat. The movie isn't telling us that she didn't go and yeah, she murder does that in the car. Her. her hair is wet. Yeah. Whereas Ooh. when she start well, the last bit of Shot that of scene, her. she's yeah. just standing there. But I guess to your I'm just point, an though, no, no, no. But to your point, though, why does she sleep with Paul then? Like, why? You know what I mean? Like, well, Paul comes in at the very end. Yeah, so I, they, I think the meaning of their sharing it at the end is the idea that they now have, at least, like from the idea of like you know having a partner who understands like your trauma and like your your experience or whatever is like sure. they then sh- are going forward sharing this together and sharing the burden of it together beautiful but if she passed it on to the boat people Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like well then i guess they they died then all of them (laughs) well (laughs) well, that was my other question is like can you give it to more than one person right can you have a fail safe like can you like pass it on to somebody and you're like just in case let me go do it with this other person right or does it not count because you already passed it on and you have right. to wait? Exactly. You know? Yeah. I assume that like the per- the last person in line has to die and then you are then saddled again with the responsibility Ugh. of like giving it to somebody else. doing it one at a time? Like what? But that's yeah, that's what I'm so. saying. Is like if you have sex then with like two different people like in a row well, without the first one dying. What if it happens to you in your inner relationship? Like what if like, oh, do you know what I mean? Like what if she and Paul get together and then like the boat, the boat person dies and then she like fucks paul right and then he's got it and then what do they do he's got to like cheat right well i assume that's what happened and that is that ends up being kind of like what happened yeah but were they together yet i don't know the only way out is through you got to sleep with a lot of people (laughs) yeah the answer is everyone should be yeah Yeah. that was my wife's suggestion she was like why don't we just throw a giant orgy yes and i was like well a very linear orgy (laughs) somewhere out there the consentity is doing the math like okay wait a minute who (laughs) fucked who how and which one was the last one to come you guys are crazy yeah <laughs> what the fuck is happening this is he's so intimidated he just yeah. leaves this is some big mouth shit which is my wreck <laughs> give it to episode. a porn star i love big mouth um yeah so this pool scene at the end mm. 
this beautiful natatorium that oh, they go man. to. I'm going to be hung up on the boat thing for a while. Yeah, it's come back to it. I think it is the most confusing part logically of the movie. They but just shouldn't have... It's, it's a weird... I don't know. The, the intention of that scene is like, weird. Like, if she had sex with him and didn't tell them, then they would have died. No question. Because yeah. they don't know what they're getting into, which makes her... And also because they're men and it's just not that easy to yeah. like, shoot your shot. You know? Right. Is that what we're thinking? No. Because why would they just die? You know what I mean? Like because they mean? weren't able to have sex fast enough after <laughs> Jay had oh, sex with okay. them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, like you have to hurry. Well, yeah. But Greg it, had three days. Because well, they were, I think it's because they were all they went they to the went lake from house, one so coast to the another. Presumably, <laughs> yeah. The, the thing was still walking back from the lake house, Fair. and it's a long the walk. The argument could be made that she's buying herself more time. Yeah, that's what I assumed. Yeah, that's that's why. It's like yeah. she would sleep with one of the men on the boat. It would follow that guy yeah. and buy her days. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. really all it would accomplish. That's kind of like okay. the, the larger thing is it, it can really only buy you time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But in order to do it, you have to <laughs> sacrifice somebody or do kind of do what Hugh did, but in a better way, not like a creepy way. Yeah. You don't like yeah. to tie anyone inform up. Them and, but if you were to inform someone that like, I'm going to have sex, like if we had sex, you would die. Most people like strangers, yeah, no one like who doesn't have, have emotional relationship with you. have to say it after and it would be you. sad. And that's not informed. It's not informed consent. For yeah. Sure. But there was a nicer way to do it yeah, than you didn't tying to somebody tie to a chair. Up. There did not need to be chloroform. Yeah. You did not need to like, bait her right, to the entity in the wheelchair but yeah. you're also like you're you're condemning that person to die yeah. i mean yeah. whether but you're you being active survival. in it or not yeah but i guess maybe he was afraid that like she would just run away immediately if and if they saw the entity walking towards them yeah uh the consentity and the consentity yes, exactly sorry. we got to say the right name no but check this out <laughs> it's an even deeper moral like dilemma than that because you're not just like kill me or them it if it kills you it's going to go on to the person before you yeah it's right. going to be a chain of killing and that was his rationale when they you talk know? about it for the last time he says i'm still uh, like you know being th- i'm still in danger because as well, soon, if she yeah. dies then i will end there's next. the third yeah. option to a lot of and this is kind of the third option of um a lot of curse movies is the just uh outrun it forever like smile tries to go tries to say like you can't outrun this mm-hmm. like by just holding up in a cabin in the woods like no one's alone permanently yeah. um and that's what like the snail question right yeah. like if you had a billion dollars yeah you could, i could outrun that thing yeah. i'd be living the best life ever and Give i could outrun that Bezos. thing <laughs> yeah i could fly i could fly across the ocean and then have like a weekend in amalfi and just kind of like motorcycle my way through europe for the summer and yeah. never see that thing mm-hmm. you know there's an I mean? alternate like yeah this happens to a scientist like, who just gets laid one time to ignore and this. like is just and then creates like a free energy machine using the power of the infinitely walking, i actually like, was trying to contemplate the exact speed with which this thing yeah because if you know that's, that's speed that's then you know math. how long it takes to get somewhere exactly. then you know how much time you Y'all have based on math. the distance but it changes shape and it changes terrain yeah so mm. does it change shape as it walks or does it stay in one shape the tall when it man walks from is one faster point to he has exactly. a bigger oh, yeah. oh my gosh yeah I was legitimately out here like, I bet it's like six miles per hour. But when he's tall, it's like eight. Yeah. So what's the distance between, say, like a suburb Look, in Chicago outside of Detroit? Fast walker. To... So say you're going 60 miles, right? And then like it's, right. like, you know, it's going to be 10 hours for it to walk those 60 miles. Yeah, so you just bought right? yourself roughly... 10 hours so yeah. budget eight it looks like it's walking slower though i assume it'd right. be like three miles an hour so yeah, really so you, got you like could 20 get hours. a full night's sleep before that thing catches does it up need to, to you eat? like does it ever get no, tired it doesn't no. get tired okay. that's mm. the whole thing is like it's, it's, it's a force that doesn't get tired never slows never it's infinite yeah it's mm. it's an unstoppable force yeah um, but if you could calculate exactly how long it 
like how long it would take to get to you, then you could start planning exactly yeah. how long it takes before it reaches you. Yeah. That's why you could know exactly how much time it'll take before it meets you on the other side of an ocean. That's the sequel where they try to do that, but then learn a new rule that it's like, oh, it actually doesn't care about that. Sometimes it just changes speed. and like. Well, that's what yeah. I think too is uh, <laughs> it, it just changes shape, so it's impossible yeah. to tell. Yeah. Well, now I'm like back to like the airplane question that you posed at the start of this. Now I don't know if I agree that it could be on the airplane with them. I no, think I, I disagree don't think so. now. Yeah. yeah. I think you could get on the airplane. I, I mean, it, depending on how long it takes you the airplane to take off, like, there, and how far yeah. away it was at the beginning. But you could get on the airplane and leave it. Board and, faster people. Yeah, right? <laughs> fucking don't fly southwest, man. <laughs> You'd have to drive to like a different city several many, many leagues away and yes. then do it. Many, many you need to miles. buy yourself time to buy yourself more time. Mm, yeah. Smart. Um, but that's that's the alternative to passing it or dying is just outlasting it forever. Because that's yeah. what a curse is, is you de- you just choose to live with it forever. But then if you die naturally, does it still go to the person before you? Ooh, maybe it dies Ooh. with you. Ooh, God, I hope it dies with you. That would be really valiant. Man, that's imagine the- being that curse, being like, I had one job. Right. <laughs> I had one job, and I fucked it up. Thank God. Old age. Yeah. Can you believe this? Yeah. I think the implication is that if you die, no matter in what circumstances, right. that it then goes back to the person that gave yeah. it to you. Or whatever, the whole point which is, is curses are inescapable. Yeah, it's fucking Aww. curses, man. There's such there's so much lawyering to do whenever you get into. Well, curses, that's the right? that's the yeah. beauty of it. That's yeah. like um the ring. The whole point is they make a yeah. copy of the tape. Yes, and that copy. You know what I mean? Like, that's really how man. The way you get out of this movie is you just hire an attorney and like <laughs> litigate you. against the consentity. Take me to yeah. to consentity court where yeah. we can discuss the. Yeah, the nitty gritty of this contract I did not choose to sign. <laughs> yes, for real. So I guess their plan is to lure it to the pool where they've brought all of their old timey appliances and are going to try to electrocute the monster um, once it jumps in after Jay. Kudos for trying. Yeah, mm. it was a cool plan. Like it worked out, and dude, this is where the music rips the most. Like when they're going <laughs> up to the natatorium, and it's like raining and lightning and stuff, they're, and you get those they heavy do, and they pads. talk about Eight Mile. There's yeah. a great uh, image image theme, visual theme of uh, urban decay mm-hmm. versus suburban life, because mm-hmm. so much of when they go to see like Hugh's house, there's all these extra shots of uh, desiccated houses. Like, these kinds of suburbs that were completely gutted. Yeah, we talked about this in our Barbarian episode about, like, the deindustrialization of the Rust Belt and especially yeah. particularly Detroit and other places of yeah, Michigan yeah. and stuff where you see, you know, like, Reaganomics murdering these cities, essentially, like, and they're all in full, in complete desolate and full dilapidated, dilapidated decay and stuff. Right. Um, and that is that is an interesting, like, I, I wondered about that, like, they were so pointedly like putting in you know their anecdotes about not being able to go, like having asked permission to go south of eight mile or whatever to go to these parts of the city right. and i was like i was like oh, are we gonna introduce like another like some displacement stuff here or like you know class divides but like it kind of does away with that pretty quickly i have just, like uh like it's sort of a throwaway barbarian yeah show neighbor. up yeah because yeah. in barbarian it kind of it plays into the plot mm-hmm. like in, right in, to a certain degree but um she only comes out at night yeah um so they're trying to lure it into that pool with all their old timey appliances. And this is where like the logic of the monster breaks down the most. Cause it's like it, it strategizes. It's like, Oh, I'm not getting in that fucking pool. And it starts yeah. picking up all the appliances and throwing them at Jay's head. But it, and <laughs> This was like an interesting question. I having seen this, this is the third time I watched this. My thought when she got to the coast, can it traverse water? Yeah, does it go across water? Yeah, because what if she got in the boat with the the men and then never like what if you lived in a boathouse? Yeah, it's it's the zombie boat solution, house. right? Yeah, you just yeah, go yeah, and yeah. like yeah. Um, and it didn't seem like it was interested in going in the water until yeah. they shot it. Yeah, 
Um, but it didn't seem to have an issue with being in the water once it was in there. Right. Yeah. So that idea was, you know, mixed. Yeah. At best. Yeah. They do manage to like, yeah, they throw the, like the blanket over it to reveal, you know, it's like throwing a fucking toaster at yeah. this woman. Who's like swimming in this floating in the center of the pool. It and you're floating. The... You're not exactly agile. Yeah. When it hits her with the chair, I was like, Oh, that's some WWE raw Smackdown Dude, shit. Like... It's kind of brutal. He's got a chair. <laughs> it threw a TV at her, but yeah. like a seventies, like wood panel television. And they kind of yeah. say like, That'll she's going to get you. electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Was it they plugged think, in though? No, it, it unplugs it as in? it like oh, throws okay. it into the right. Like, yeah, because yeah. there's the bug zapper was the big one, the first one. Because I remember when you watch Paul walk in yeah. with that giant fucking bug bug zapper. I was like, he's got a goddamn bug zapper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Huge. So he, but I love that Paul. This is all Paul's idea. He's yeah. like, fuck it, we're gonna try and kill this thing. Yeah. Um, and of course he get, he brings a gun. And they can't see it. So the goal is she sits in the center of the pool. I know you're. I know what you're laughing about. She sits in the center of the pool and kind of like guides them. She like points, um, which this is like a. This is the dumbest. Like, hello sprinklers. Like, if if there are things that can the create invisible the invisible man solution. Oh gosh, yeah, the invisible man solution. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> so, You're so right. Dave. So they have or her like stand and kind of like like flower. Yeah. yeah. She's like it's there, like roughs it in, kind of. Yeah. And this idiot whips a gun, a <laughs> handgun out, and just fires into oh fucking air and wings Yara. Right? I love examples right of legs. Mary Kate was like, "Oh my god, that's the most terrifying thing in this whole movie." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him shooting blindly and into she's the just air. Like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I love scenes like this in movies where it, because it play, when it plays out like this because it's like. The 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 action movie version of this right is always like where your main characters immediately are like able to pop people off from right. like yard like a perfect, football field away perfect fifty feet which shot which is part of the propaganda that with makes a snub nose yeah it's part of the propaganda and like the 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 whole zeitgeist that like makes people think that this is how shit would go down if like you have a gun right you're automatically going to be able to like get right. the monster right away but like no most of the times it goes it goes like this like this situation is like usually how that shit yeah, would play he whips out it, like yeah. three times yeah it takes like several shots and somebody gets hurt in the process and you end up like doing more damage to somebody else. They're like, so lucky she's not dead. Seriously, yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of like ballistic implausibility whenever. You, so they shoot it in the head. Both the well, consentity and the Jay thing. are in the pool. Of course, the the smart friend, the female it, that's not shot in the leg, that's not wielding a gun, grabs a blanket and yeah. realizes like, oh, what <laughs> yes. if we just put a blanket over this motherfucker? Truly, yeah. Scooby Doo. Yeah. 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 The, so the invisible man solution, yeah. and immediately is like, oh, gun meet head. Here we go. This yeah. was easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. You didn't think of doing that three or four bullets ago? Nah. Seriously. But the uh, the improbability of when the thing is trying to pull Jay back into the water, she's being dragged down by it. They shoot bullets into the water that zoom through the water with the same velocity as if they had not just changed, you know, right. phases of matter. Like, they're going into water and would have been stopped immediately. We do a lot of hard math on this. Yeah. Was, There's too much yeah. science on this fucking podcast. <laughs> I care deeply. Yeah. yeah. Um but they they managed to get away. So what what does it mean when the pool fills with blood? Like is the idea that yeah, the consentity has been has been obliterated? And they can see the blood, but mm-hmm. they can't see the entity. Shut yeah. up. The consentity. I am yeah. so sorry. No, yeah. no, no, I'm just messing with you. It's it's fine. Um, I love like shoehorning my own dumb names into these things. No, I love the consentity. I apologize the movie for not is, using its preferred name. Right? Is Please. the movie leading us to believe that they have defeated it? Uh, well, this point. there's so there's the the argument too, right? Like we have established that it can be delayed. Mm-hmm. Like it it can take a bullet and kind of fall down, and right. it takes it a while to get back up. Um, two headshots, 
I guess. Yeah. Is kind Thanks of the, the trick. is the is the like real I it's like compounding it, interest. The real like, question yeah. is, how do you think the movie ends? <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, really what we're trying yeah, to get this, at Yeah, this whole last sweet bit, I think this is where it gets very, like, it's very cute, honestly. Like, yeah, so they, like, Paul uh, and Jay hook up finally, uh, and they have... Which I, think, I have mixed feelings about that as well. Yeah, <sighs> it's kind this, of like, like... nice guy wins out kind of bullshit. Yeah, there's sort of like a uh, like a, like a friend zone first, kind though. of thing. Yeah, yeah that She's, he's like... But she wasn't really that into like, him until yeah. he, he saved her life. But he was like really life. there for her. That's yeah. just a nice way of being a Greg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Paul at least believes her. Yeah, you know? he does. He does. I think that's the way what the movie is trying to say is that they... Because he is providing not only like... Not only does he want to fuck her, but it's like they also... He wants to be her emotional support. He like he's like, I want to help, is what he tells her. Right, right. Um, you but might call that a relationship. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> I don't know. I read it as uh, emotionally manipulative like, or something. Mm. Yeah, but not in a way that he understands. Yeah, like oh, okay. he wants to date her, and you know, sex is just a product of that. He mm-hmm. he is emotionally invested in her, right. but so much of that is revolved around like what he wants out of this mm, because he wants to be with her. He's jealous that she's flirting with Greg or yeah. she, he's like side-eyeing the fact that she's going on a date. The fact that he can't uh, appreciate that she has a life outside of him mm, yeah. is what alarms me. About it's that conversation specifically. I think that probably triggered you is that, that one where like he's talking to her and he's like, why did you pick Greg? Like I liked you too. Yeah. Kind of he names yeah. it. He's like, I liked you too. Yeah. Like why didn't, why did you pick him and not yeah. me? And she says like, I thought, like she says, I thought he would be okay. He yeah. he has he's so confident. You yeah, know? He's, he wasn't afraid. <laughs> she was like, "You're not gonna fuck it." Yeah, me. she does <laughs> kind of Basically, imply yeah. that, like, bro, you're soft. <laughs> yeah, damn. <laughs> but I wouldn't have lived. But if this I gave is it the same you. shit I say. Is like it's it's like that nice guy wins out bullshit. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. like if you're just a nice guy. You know. But is he all that nice? Because he has to go to like a prostitute. Yeah. So it's really like smart guy. Then he's saddled know? with this. That's why I'm saying yeah. I have questions about it. But they even dynamic. do, I think to your point, Daniel, I think, you know, what we didn't talk about is like the whole conversation they have earlier in the movie, right? About Jay and Paul having shared their first kiss, right? right. But then him going and kissing her little sister too. Yeah. And it's like, I think they put that in the movie to like show I that Paul. About that. Yeah, Paul is like, He's Paul's very fallible. Yeah, yeah. Very fallible and not necessarily like we he like is him. motivated by his like you we, know. but we do like him because he yeah. he believes Jay and he helps her and he tries to kill this thing. Like yeah. he yeah. does infinitely more than Greg ever did. Fuck Greg. Rest yeah. in peace. There's always Greg. a Greg. Greg you an idiot. Extra fuck Hugh Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh Jeff. Hugh Jeff. Name my firstborn son. Hugh Jeff. Jeff. Uh they Jeff Nay Hugh. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Nay. Nay is his middle Hugh. name. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's that insert shot of him going and cruising for prostitutes. That's like, yeah, he's so then find they a sex do it. To, and uh, then he goes cruising for prostitutes around the eight mile, I guess. Yeah. Uh, with a kind of predatory look on his face. There's Again. some serial killer, like I mean, because that kind. <laughs> I think that's at that just point he face. is a serial killer. Like it might oh, be. Oh shit! It kind of becomes a serial. It, it makes right. me feel like he did it and didn't tell her. Okay, full circle. I'm gonna bring around my the uh, the crazy Reddit fan theory that You've was been, like, like positive yes, on yes, that. Yes, yes. He's an agent so, of the devil. Yeah, that's the idea. Is that the scariest thing in this movie is not the monster or anything. It's Paul, and he's actually an incubus who is like a demon who is manipulating girls. This into, is like an like, elaborate scheme to yeah. get them to have sex with him. But yeah, how? It's I don't know. Yeah, it's good that he's an agent of this purgatory environment that they're living in, where like the other demons with like the like the monster that kills people are in on it, and it's like a it's. Speak- 
speaks to what I'm saying is that he's yeah. like opportunistic in ways that seem uh, disingenuous. Predatory. I think it's yeah, I yeah. Think there's like almost uh, like the idea that something pred- predatory doesn't have to be like evil or like mm-hmm. vicious. Wow, yeah. Um, that like it That's can it can trick you into danger. being a friend is yeah. another form of predation. Yeah. Yeah, because his intentions were were not sound. But I guess the movie, but the movie shows that like at, when they en- end up together in the end, they're holding hands, walking down that sidewalk. Like it's it it it's put forth as a sweet ending. Um, yeah, it's it's cute, and it, I like the. It does. It they just don't give me enough from her to uh, intuit whether I think or the, not that's, she's that's into the inherent problem. About yeah, it. like she's. It's like this is the only option, kind of thing. Ooh, yeah, sad. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, like she didn't choose him before this, Daniel. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. she would have chosen before this. She had plenty of time and options yeah. too so it's like he's the if this is the only reason they're together then it's also kind of like and it's not really a win he didn't intend it but yeah. he's definitely like he got what he wanted by outlasting yeah. all the others it's a it's a war of attrition <laughs> yeah. wow. i could also make anybody sound villainous if that you know helps you at all like this might just be a bad faith <laughs> reading on his character because i'm not confident david robert mitchell wanted like this much in-depth exploration of this film <laughs> no, he has not. said he's Can like i don't know it's just like, a were thing we right? oh, i'll like, tag him yeah, yeah. It's it's just uh, a thing. It kind of follows people. Yeah. Please stop saying STD movie. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, I love the, yeah, the blurry shot of, of somebody walking behind them as they're right. going down the sidewalk, right? That's my like, yeah. it's my biggest uh, thing about this movie is I'm yeah. like, is it, so it's following them, right? Yeah. I, that's what I assume. I assume that them. it's still following them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I love it. I, I like this movie a lot. Like I said, this rewatch was very was very fun. I, I felt it. like it got better on the yeah, rewatch. Yeah, it does. I think it gets better and better on rewatches. It's, it's like a, something I get a lot more out of. When it was raining a bunch on Monday here, that's one of the first, uh, oh, nice. one of the last like rewatches I had of it. And like I said, man, I was just feeling that yeah, synth score. Yeah, atmospheric for sure. Yeah, yeah. it was it was great. Um, and and uh, it, it makes it easier to pay attention to things you weren't thinking about before when you watch mm-hmm. it around the, the second or third or fourth time. Because the first time you're kind of learning the rules and trying to figure out who all the characters are. The second time it, it takes a little bit. And I felt like my third watch, I was like, like the theater scene, I'm like, well, of course he's like freaking out because mm-hmm. he realized like he forgot during the course, the early part of their date that he was being followed by this monster. And then he suddenly remembered and saved himself. Yeah. Which is like something you don't read the first time around. Yeah. You do kind of the second. And then there's all this extra stuff. You're like, oh, but that's where I came from my reading about this, like about the her walking through all the steps of this curse, like mm-hmm. don't pass it on, do the noble thing. And then you can't kill this thing, pass it on, but it'll it'll always get back to you. So yeah. pass it on, you know, to whoever and don't tell anyone and just like buy, buy yourself time and then maybe really try and kill this thing. And then ultimately find somebody you can share this with, mm. which will make your life and your, your stress like it'll cut your stress in half, which is to say you still have a lot because, you know, it wants to kill you, but at least somebody else who knows what you're going through can bear this with you. Yeah. Who may or may not be a demon. Apparently, (laughs) It's the, I was like, I got to like the bottom of that. I like skimmed through that. I'll I'll send you the link. I don't want to read that shit. Reddit theories are wild. I got to the bottom and I was like, this is fucking, this guy was out of control. Cracked out. That's on a, like high AF, our high AF yeah. or whatever, where they'll like post like the weirdest thoughts. They're like, I'm super stoned right now. And I just watched Logan. Is it possible that and I'm like, Oh my God. Uh, okay. Well, listen, no. you're going to hate my theory for this. The I killing don't... of a sacred deer. Like that Ooh. movie is like open to way more interpretation though. I'm, okay. I'm like more interested. I, there are some things I think should not be con- like concrete because okay. it, it works in its abstract form. 
and we're honestly doing more work even right now to for the movie. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, that's, that was the whole thing with uh, Barbarian. The author like, intended sort when of. When you watch like panel interviews of uh, Zach Greger like yeah, doing like sure. when they're like, like people are like, scary. so uh, was was there other stuff down in the like, the hallways or like where did like they try to like parse out the logic of the movie because that's yeah. that's kind of what we do now like in consume like right. that's the online consumer movie cons- consumption sort of like motif and he's when he answers the question he's like I don't know I it's, if it's not in the movie then I didn't really think about it like yeah. kind of thing I sort you of, know having worked on set i have to say a lot of the things people think are smart are just people doing their jobs uh-huh. which y'all I, that's wild yeah. yeah that months of watching horror movies and i'm like i'm numb I'm i know like, eh, we're, we're that just, kill this, was okay this is just every fucking week now. i'm out here to solve puzzles <laughs> not like be scared of your murders that's why we have uh, rotating guests to keep it nice and fresh yes um, yeah, yeah I, I like this movie and i think it fits into our watch list pretty well especially but between... i actually highly recommend to people who are not good with scary movies yeah. mm-hmm. it's not yeah. that violent like it it's not it's, it is the the, the horror or like yeah the horror in this is it being a psychological thriller it's much more of like that meditative thing where like it really is something that like with smile like sticks with you like oh, smile did it rough. in a much creepier way but yeah. this has that had a nihilistic ending and this has a much more positive i think well, that's why i say it's like a to perfect, its ending it's a, a perfect exercise in tension is yeah. because uh when you once you know you start to just you're in those they're very long takes there are scenes that can go on in a single take for a while or that like they'll just draw out a beat um you start to like like the the lakeshore scene is a great example because it is like cutting back and forth and the question is how long can you drag this beat out before somebody is like on the edge of their seat because mm-hmm. the monster's slowly approaching and we see it and we're just like wrecked we're like turn around it's yeah. like that idea that like you have sex with the thing and then it has its own thing that follows it and so on. Reverse the curse. It makes a baby. Sorry, that oh, excited no. <laughs> me so much that I hit my microphone. <laughs> a, a consentity baby? That, yes. Uh. But then that would imply there's so we don't have time to go down. Uh, that's hole. a rabbit hole. Let's not go <laughs> down. Yeah. Like um, seven rabbit holes. Rabbit hole one. indeed. Andy, thank you for hanging out with us. Have you uh, seen watched any movies or like seen any other shows or anything lately that Dang, you liked or hated? Wild, because I was totally when you you know put me on to that question earlier i was gonna be like smile um and we just talked the shit out of i know it. <laughs> but so we what i'll, what I'll say about that. it i started to say yeah like i haven't had a, a physical reaction to a horror movie since oh, yeah. i saw the conjuring for the first time mm. oh, wow. like where it um it just never let up with mm-hmm. the tension like there was no reprieve um, I went and, you know, as per usual, I took myself on a me date and I watched this movie and right before the it's climax, a tough movie to watch by yourself. I started to say right before the climax, I had to take a break and go to the bathroom yeah. and do some like breathing. I was like, yeah. Hey, it's not real. <laughs> Remember? And then like, I had to like go home and be like, all right, here I am by myself. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. I went home to an Airbnb after screening it in a theater full of people yeah. and like laid in an Airbnb was just like. This is how I go. This is yeah. it. This is me. I always knew this was one. Which, this is how I die. And then I'm, I'm also hearing this like this talk on, I mean, I'm chronically on TikTok and people on there are like, it wasn't scary. Like, what are people talking about? I'm like, look, I don't, I don't know. We're, we're, you're not my people because that movie scared the shit out of yeah. me. Yeah. I thought as far as curse movies go, it was one of the better ones. It oh, was yeah. so good. Very, I was very pleased with it uh, when I came out. Um, it, something I watched just recently um, that is not a horror movie at Batman. all. I um, it's this show called Heartstopper on Netflix. Um, I watched. Go I, on. I had a three day weekend and I cried the entire weekend 
And then on Monday and Tuesday, I watched it again. Oh, wow. It is so good. I've never in my life done that. Where you said I've it's like, a series? Yeah, back to back. So it's like these two boys like meet each other at an all boys school. And like one of them is like out as gay. And the other one is like this like popular rugby player. And they like the characters just have amazing I feel like chemistry. I've heard, this, heard about this somewhere. And listen, it's the most wholesome like it's the most wholesome love story i've ever ever seen it is so good so if you just want to feel good and just be like happy this is the one absolutely yeah. not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not for me no I yeah that. that sounds I mean, awesome i say that but i did cry a lot and i had to like journal i was like why am i crying literally the most that i've cried ever in my life because of this damn so smile and heart stoppers on netflix <laughs> yes. is it awesome. like positive queer romance on screen is like so like freeing you're like man I, I, you know you don't see it as often you see it now but you you know well, we grew up at like a time a, before it was like common yeah and it's like such a patient and sweet love is what's good about this is like there's like an authentic love yeah there's yeah. like other teenage love stories that's like another show that i really like um that's not in usually in my genre because my preferred genre is horror but you know occasionally i will take a, a break you know a little respite and another show i like is never have i ever and it's hmm. cute and I really like the way that they talk about things, but it's not wholesome. It's not tender. And mm. it's like the way that these boys are together is like almost like a political resistance. Mm. Like it is like against toxic masculinity. It is like against like heteronormativity. It's just like pro be who you are. And I stayed sobbing. Like I'm, I would cry now, except that I'm truly out of tears. <laughs> like I don't have anything well left to cry. Dry. Yes. Oh. Yeah, it was so good. Your cool. salinity levels must be really low right now. You need a Gatorade. Yeah. I guess it, I, I do feel quite thirsty. We've <laughs> <laughs> been talking for a while, it's so true. there's that too. How long have we been running? Uh, pretty long. This is a long one. Yeah, for the past two hours. Good work, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are you, Daniel? See anything? Uh, you know me. I always have a million I'm wrecks. Excited. Um, <laughs> I was watching stuff on the job today. That's how much time. I had like a three and a half hour uh, break on a gig today. Nice. Um, sex, uh, not sex education. I've been told it's really good, so mm. I'll still throw that wreck out there. Um, but Big Mouth, dude, I yes. fucking the love new that season's show. out. Yes, I have no intention of raising children anytime soon. But uh, part of me always says, like, if I did, I would just make them sit and watch this show. Beginning there are certain around episodes. like thirteen or fourteen or something. Yeah, like, yeah I'd be like, like, look, kids, this shit's kind of funny, but also I'm sure you're embarrassed. But it's really fucking funny. You should yeah. watch very this. Very informative so too. So educational. Very good, like, yeah, I just finished the Vagina Shame episode. Yes, yes. me too. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I have like a niece that I like. I need to show this to you, but. Right. Like I don't, I mean, I don't know I, that they're ready. Not, yeah, like, it's it's really really good. It, for anyone who doesn't know, Big Mouth is a show show created by Nick Kroll mm -hmm. and, and his host of Comedian Friends, which is like an ungodly amount of great comedians. So many voices, like Don Mulaney, Jordan Peele, Jordan, Jordan Peele, yeah. Yeah. Um, all these people. Jenny but Slate, it, yeah, Jenny Slate. Um, but not anymore. Basically, I think she plays a different character. Oh, okay. Now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Ayo Edebiri. She was on the bear, I think. Mm. Um, but uh, basically, it's these teenage kids who have, uh, like, their hormones are fictionalized as literal monsters. Um, and so they all have, they all go through cycles of puberty. And it's like all the shitty things you did as a teenager. But, like, the really gross yeah. stuff. Yeah, and Nick true. Kroll, like, to his credit, I, I think this is a show that people are like, fuck this is disgusting but i often see it as like he does a great job of like the only way out is through is yeah. like he just keeps plowing through and making yeah, it grosser and it. grosser until yeah. you realize that like you know like these 
really kind of like gross poop period combo <laughs> jokes you're like that was the tamest thing i heard this entire episode it's true, yeah. like he'll do bits about like cutting off garrison keeler's head and trying to stick your oh, dick in it that was too far for me yeah that was, like, that was a then, joke that was the like best so they come back later, again they yeah. come back later and they're like oh well, like, the garrison got, keeler part we lost a lot of people with that section they, <laughs> and they and it's a show that's like not afraid to poke at itself yeah. poke at its teens poke at being on netflix and what that means the end of the previous season got super meta where oh, they yeah, have live action that. nick kroll coming in where and talking nick kroll, to yes. character nick kroll <laughs> yeah. play meets nick kroll and nick kroll's like i mean you just do whatever i want you to I'm yeah a fucking writer i don't yeah. know yeah um but i i advocate for it because it it uh you know we could all learn a lot from it as so. uh folks who might have grown up in the texas education system yes you Seriously. could learn a lot and, and it's hilarious they did a whole episode on planned parenthood um which was amazing it was like a couple vignettes that just like made fun of different stories like a star trek-esque episode Mm. um like all this stuff and um and it's and they always like talk shit about it too it surprisingly has a great fucking soundtrack yeah uh that that show fucking rocks even to like it's it's original musical numbers too yeah they do and like some of the more really good at they'll sing the most disgusting musical songs about dicks but it is like pretty That's well yeah. and I, i'm not like this isn't a sexist thing like they literally have songs about dicks yeah, yeah. it's no, the new sure. this the new season opens with like the the chorus they're of, so we're horny all, we're all so horny that. yes <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah God. it's amazing and i like if you can if you think gross comedy if nick kroll was your vibe if you just want something to like really like jolt you awake this show is it mm-hmm. um i was reminded of i've been watching a lot of chainsaw man this is an anime but it's inspired by my personal all-time favorite and i realized i haven't shouted it out at all on this podcast um there's an anime called fooly cooly uh that released in the early 2000s on adult swim it's only six episodes it's like the literal opposite of an anime um and it is this, this most ridiculous like mtv influenced music video-esque um just bizarre combo of animation styles just absolutely bizarre but it's about this teenage boy who uh gets hit in the head with a bass guitar by an alien cop (laughs) and the bump on his head becomes a portal into another dimension where giant robots crawl out of and fight but it's got nothing to do with that it's about like being a teenager Like, like, uh, overwhelming emotions, um, complicated relationships, uh, teen sexuality. Mm. So it's kind of funny because it, it, you know, it has a lot of what people call fan services anime and they're like, okay, schoolgirls skirt stuff, but its intent is to talk about sexuality as like teenage boy that this original one is teenage boys. Um, and kind of like discussing some of the like what fan service is and even poking fun at it and poking fun at itself. Um, it's like super off the wall, equal parts meta, bizarre animation. Um, it's only six episodes and like 20-ish, 20-ish minutes and it's on Hulu. And it's actually my favorite, personal favorite anime of all time. Some of those are the best gems, though. Like the micro, like the little little series that had a very short life, but like a concise story or like, you know. And the thing, too, is it it can be an assault on the senses, but it also works in these really great uh, breathing moments. So there'll be like really slow pause beats. Like as a teenager, your life can often feel like, you know, it's explosive and violent and just like everything is happening all at once. Your emotions are coming to a boil. And then all of a sudden, like in the aftermath or beforehand, they'll just be like this calm, like beat that you're intentionally soaking up because it's just not, 
you know, any sort of thing. Um, it, it's very interesting. And I'm sure that looking back on the original, we'll probably be like, it's probably a little like fan service still. It's probably still very anime oriented, but it's only six episodes. And I literally, it's like the opposite. Every anime ever is like a thousand. And then mm-hmm. this is six. <laughs> yeah. Look at you, they, One Piece. They are. Yeah. Right. They, they have released uh, two new drafts featuring female protagonists um, and some legacy characters, both uh, seasons. They're kind of like, a, it's now it's like an anthology almost um, with, they're like six episodes each. Uh, Fully Cooly Progressive and Fully Cooly Alternative, but I own the soundtrack uh, by Damn. The Pillows. They're a the Japanese punk rock band, and they basically like wrote a whole album for the original series and then added more songs for the later series that is uh, in the vein of the like music that it's named after. Dude, so Japanese, the first rock series is punk. Japanese punk rock is like my fucking bread and butter. There's one band that came through Deep Ellum like five or six years ago and played at RBC, and like they were randomly, yeah, they were touring from Japan, like doing like a random They're American so cool. tour. It's the, so Japanese funk music is like, they, oh my God, it the, fucks. They it's really so have good. taken every genre of American music and like ran with it. Yeah, um, especially jazz. Like jazz is another big one where so, it's like... So I recommend Fooly Cooly, uh, and I watch a three episodes of andor today dude andor i need to that's what i'm binging tonight i've uh blake has highly recommended the most recent yeah, episode with Star Wars. Uh, if, if people are like over the star wars hype they're like okay this is dumb why are they making so many stupid star wars shows i was the same way i was like i'm not gonna i agree i told myself i'm not gonna watch the mandalorian mm. i'm just not gonna do it I'm not going to watch Boba Fett. Like, none of these shows are... F- Kenobi series is pretty disappointing. It's just a lot of fan... It, it, like, different kind of fan service. But, yeah. like, these stories don't go anywhere. It's just beating, I've that, heard that, beating that dead horse to and death. And I have also been burned. I watched some of the Marvel shows. Not yeah. a big fan. Like, some stuff works. A lot of it all kind of falls by the wayside because it's service to the larger universe. Yeah, That's it's also just the giant problem. Disney machine cranking yes. out, you know, what it will. Con- but... but yeah. mm-hmm. Andor this, this is fucking crime thriller thing. drama, dude. Like this is like the story. Two equal stories about a, a you know a in, an indigenous tribal member who was kind of like rescued from his tribe after the empire slaughtered his whole village. It was raised in kind of like a um, uh, like a scrapyard's lifestyle. Yeah, um, finding his way into becoming a spy on the empire on behalf of the rebel uh, alliance. But he doesn't have that intention. He's very like singularly motivated but on the opposite end there's a person oh it's this is very pointed too this like color uh of the characters matter in a lot of ways um this like kind of wealthier uh soldier who serves as like a basically a trumped up police officer um starts to investigate the very first scene which is you know our rebel guy kills two of the quote security agents they're not technically cop big like barton fink energy where it's like accidentally committing like a crime that you then that then basically kicks off like incites all of the rest like the right so one story is about this guy learning to become a rebel and the other story is about this like very privileged uh upper class citizen like learning to become that like like hardcore um just like uh, empire scum. I want to say like well, he, blue lives matter kind of guys. Well, it's like, oh. he's trying to rise within the ranks of like this, like empire, which is funny because like, there is like a, a great deal of banality to like him. Like his superior is like dismissive and doesn't really care. And it's right. like him trying to like rise within the ranks of like, what is like the machine, like the evil, like so machine it, of the empire. It, it's interesting because a lot of what motivates him is he's, he's like, uh, 
he's motivated by like his sheer like he's he like believes that this is how we create order and when he sees the system that he's a participant in like his boss is like oh we're not going to investigate those murders it's we don't need this like boosting our crime stats mm-hmm. he kind of is like the whole system's rigged you have to go in strong-armed or not at all mm-hmm. and so he kind of learns from the beginning of the series going onwards that the only way to root out crime and then he starts associating crime with rebels, rebellion, rebellious people, and then like take that for what it's worth. Um, Diego Luna as the uh, protagonist. Diego Luna kills it, man. It's like, amazing. His, it's, yeah, and the best part is you wouldn't know it was Star Wars. You would just think it's right. in a weird space world. Yeah. Um, and I like a lot of critics I follow have been saying this is like one of the best series to come out of the Star oh, Wars yeah. universe in years. It absolutely is. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because they're like part of the theme of this show is that like you know, empires are built on like bureaucracy. Yeah. And it is. And that it's like the minutia of all of those, like, yeah. like I said, those mundane, but all like figures. But also that, there's like, like a heist episode and a yeah. prison break. It's I'm like, it's, it's sign me up yeah. three episodes in. And I'm like, okay, I'll stick with this. I'm really excited to binge through that tonight. Those are my three. Um, on our Barbarian episode, I talked about wanting to check out the other movie that Justin Long was in that came out this year because Barbarian gets added to, you know, the catalog of horror movies where Justin Long's character is an asshole and gets his comeuppance, including like Drag Me to Hell or Tusk or mm-hmm. um, yeah. Barbarian that just came out. And the other one that came out this year has a similar sort of structure to it where it's Justin Long's character is an asshole and then bad things happen to him. And it's called House of Darkness. And I was mm. like, oh, surely this will also be entertaining. It'll be a fun sort of like thing to attach to our conversation that we had about Barbarian. And but dude, like man, it's one of the wild, like one of the worst scripts I've ever fucking like perceived in my life, no. dude. It is one of the I think I I kind of like want you to see at least like clips of it because as far as like writing exercises go, um, it is the most extreme example of like 100% dialogue with literally no events or action oh, like wow. nothing like the almost the entire first so the entire first 40 minutes of the movie take place in a single room and it's like I think what that can be done well it can be like there's like you know this idea of like a cool like hitchcockian thing like like you know yeah, like 12 rope and stuff or, or yeah. yeah um and i think that was like the intent here but in the execution of it it's the conversation that they try to force between justin long and the other like main character of the movie is so wandering and forced and like exhausting to listen yeah, to that you're when like it's laborious that's how you know it you're like god this is work i was like they've been talking for 20 minutes straight and it is a conversation about nothing like literally mm. i haven't i don't think i've done this in like a long time we, but good. I, we should call that shit out more often yeah sometimes we're like no it's smart and i'm like yeah, yeah. But yeah being smart doesn't mean it has to be fucking work but it's yeah, not it wasn't smart though it's like it, it was the most like <laughs> Did you think I asked you a question? Or why why do you think I asked you that question? Let me answer your question with a question. What kind is of thing. this? An improv Ew, game? It was yeah, yeah, it seemed like almost like it was Gross. improvised. And like, yeah. that was a first draft that somebody was like, sure, that's fine. Dude. Submit. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. They're directed by Neil LeBlue, like the guy who did um the Wicker, the the Wicker Man with Nick Cage in it. Not uh, the beast. That that director. Uh but yeah, dude, this it I'll I'll show you some scenes from it later because it is fucking You say that, um, have you seen? Sorry, I hate to do this to you. Have you seen Wendell and Wild? You said you love yes. Coraline. Yeah, I have not. Did you like? Would you? I thought it was fun. So I thought it was really okay. smart that they did a PG thirteen. Have you seen it? I have. Yes. Oh, okay. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, you should finish what you're going to say. <laughs> All right. Okay. I thought it was fun because I, you know, with Coraline, part of the the dread is sort of like 
it's this is a kid's movie you know you're like right this is a kid's movie right right um they did that too in this one yeah but this one is pg-13 they like they kind of elevate it on purpose so there's like some slight curse words there's more like adult themes um we get a a trans character wow yeah big deal you know and so, um, you know, we got like these themes of like grief and the demons were funny and um, this like it, it, magic hair cream that brings people back from the dead. I was like, <laughs> I was so tired when I turned it on and I kept thinking like, what if I just take a little nap? I'll just pause it like when it gets dull. And it never did. I, okay. I finished it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you on all those things too. It, it really was um, like it succeeded very well in introducing us to all these really interesting characters and it was a very unique premise mm-hmm. um i thought that there were parts of it that were a little undercooked hmm. um like the entire confrontation with ving rames presents itself and then resolves itself in the same scene yeah um which it, you know is presented as like a larger theme like he could be the big bad but then yeah. it, it just mm. kind of solves itself it even becomes like a, a an assistance later um and so there were some elements to the plotting of the actual film that I thought there were a little so underbaked. I felt moment, like there Daniel. wasn't. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, like, is... there's just so much about like Wendell and Wilde's uh, motivations um, and their actions, kind of like waffle back and forth based off of like almost singularly what uh, I, I just felt like it, it didn't function as well as I had hoped it would, mm. um, especially considering how much it had to say. I think what it had to say was empower, like empowering yeah. and important. Um, and, you know, far be it for me to say that anything preachy is um, like miss, like b- poor quality. But I do think uh, something we expect from some of the storytellers behind something like Coraline um, is for them to like thread the needle on this mm-hmm. is where theme and plot come together. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, this felt divorced from plot in some aspects, because at one point I could feel that because it, it, it felt like they were literally just preaching. Like they were reading a script that's like mm. preaching the, the theme of the movie out loud, as opposed for us to understand it. Um, both subtextually and contextually. Well, maybe it's with a topic that's so important and so complex that, like, we kind of need like the ABC's version. Oh, right. You, you know have to be I explicit mean? about like, it. We, we know. Right. It's about private prisons. Yeah. yeah. The whole mm-hmm. movie. Um, but if that were true too, then why spend so much time making it even like text at all? Like, because fun. Why? Yeah. Why not just? <laughs> why do topic. they have? Like, why? It, why do they have to own a private? prison and then us have to get it explained to us again Hmm. um at the very end like i felt like i understood before they went on the preaching part Hmm. what was so wrong and it was an idea that was only introduced halfway through Hmm. as uh poor to the prisoners um like the entire idea of the prison is uh, explained as in like it will demolish this town's economy or like they have to demolish a town in order to do it Hmm. Hmm. but it's only introduced like maybe two thirds of the way through when the daughter of the prison owner kind of explained, like is told a a young child is told, like it's not what you think it is. Right. And I felt like that was part of the compelling argument. The filmmakers wanted to present that they had to shoehorn in towards the end. Mm. Hmm. This is Henry. So so I haven't seen this, but this is Henry. So like also uh, directed for Coraline and James and the giant. Right. Fantastic filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And and so like definitely capable of threading the needle. Um, Jordan Peele did a bunch of the rewrites too, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I think is part of where we're getting so much strong thematic resonance is he's able to speak to some of that. 
cool. And um, then Wendell and Wilde kicking Michael Key and Jordan Peele. Yeah, so that's awesome. and the yeah. first huh. reunion between those two in, in a while. while huh. uh, you know, I was thoroughly entertained, but um, and of course Angela Bassett as uh, Sister Healy. I yeah, Ellie. and like Angela Bassett's character, uh, we kind of get into a little bit. But then she just serves as an assistant to the protagonist. There's like a few too many characters with like arcs that n- that only really come together because they have to, and not mm. because they need to. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I mean, those are fair criticisms, Daniel. Yeah. I accept. I'm definitely gonna check that out. But I, said. I, yeah. I will, I will <laughs> recommend the movie. I mean, yeah. I would make a child watch that. I'd be like, no, fun. you little shit, yeah. you need to sit and yeah. watch and learn. <laughs> like, this is ABCs for you. Yes. As a grown adult, I, I don't yeah. need the ABCs version. But I understand. Yeah. I understand what's going, what's, nice. what's happening there. Yeah. Is that streaming anywhere right now? Netflix. It's on Netflix. Oh, mm-hmm. sick. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely gonna check that out. Um, cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with me today, guys. So uh, this week, and for our psychological thriller series, we watched It Follows. Uh, I have been messing with the watch list, so I know you probably don't know what's coming I up next. I have no clue. Not looked at it. All right. So I thought it'd be fun to do uh, Shutter Island for next week wow. uh, to kind of like Your first temper, Scorsese. Yeah, we're gonna temper our uh, kind of like big hitter uh because i feel like we've been covering like good too many good movies in a row we did suspiria in the mouth of madness so did some what are you trying to say about shutter island i'm uh. just trying to say that it'll be fun to do like a like i, I want to call that like a blockbuster like you know sort of what did you say you live thing? a hero or you die a monster or something <laughs> hey, is you... that in this movie i don't know that it is in shutter island yeah it's like one of the last things he says because he's it? talking to yeah yeah that feels like a batman quote you know like in that is, it's better phrase <laughs> but that's the same idea you either he kinda, die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain that's is the batman it quote. yeah <laughs> right but he does say i this is on my instagram feed all that movie's on my instagram feed all the damn time because i follow because i follow a lot of <laughs> cinema film people accounts. yeah 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 they love scorsese um but they always show like the final scene is him talking to uh the Hulk, whoever that character, Eric Bana. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wait, what the fuck are we talking about? Shutter, Shutter Island. Island. Yeah, yeah. So when he's talking to the Hulk at the end of Shutter Island. Yeah, he says like, because he, not he, the actor who played the Hulk. Okay. <laughs> I was like, y'all are fucking. No, not Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or is it? A, it's Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. God, sorry. That, yeah. that take me so long. He's yeah. talking to Mark oh, Ruffalo. Okay, got it. And he, he's like undergone his operation, yeah. so they think he's fine. And then he says, like, we got to get him. Yeah. Partner. But we'll, we'll, we we'll save it in there. We'll save it for that conversation uh, though, when we get Spoilies. to it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go, go watch Shutter Island uh, and then check out our episode on it next week. Uh, it should, should be really fun. We're also in between there going to be covering um, some uh, new releases here that will probably drop in between some of these episodes as sort of bonus episodes. Um, so those fall out of line and we won't be teasing the previous or next episode too. But um, Bones and All is coming out. The menu is coming out. Please go see Bones and All. Ooh, baby. I'm very excited. Um, hey, this podcast has an Instagram. It's uh, at Scary Sunday Scaries if you want to go follow it and uh, see us post uh, random shit on social media from other horror accounts and other cinema accounts. Those are really fun. Um, if you want to follow us on Patreon, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Scary Sunday Scaries, where for a dollar you get early access to episodes as soon as I get done editing and posting them. Uh, if you want to email us with questions or recommendations for movies we should watch or uh, tell us stuff that we missed, you can email me at... Uh, scary sunday scaries at gmail.com you were about to give your actual i was gonna give my own personal email for a second if you do want to follow me personally i'm at trav the guy uh i'm at dg underscore pappas p-a-p-p-a-s yeah do you have any um so right now do you have anything coming out or like are you working on anything or do you want people to follow you on uh instagram or anything brag about yeah here this is this is kind of a weird like in between place Mm -hmm. uh that i'm in because um, I don't know how deep 
to like get into this, but like, I, you know, I just came out as genderqueer. And so like I have like changed my name to Andy on all my platforms, except my handle is still Media Amanda. Oh, nice. Because it's a fucking huh. genius like brand it's that was my brand name and so i've been like i what conflicted. am i gonna change it to <laughs> yeah. yeah you gotta come up with another great fucking <sighs> fun so yeah and it's so, been a, it's been a month like officially today mm-hmm. since i've come out so you would think a month would give me plenty of time to brainstorm another pun and absolutely not you know so for the time being your handle is, is media amanda ig on instagram awesome yeah and then when we have you back for Just uh, change killing it up to sacred deer yeah yes. <laughs> Bet. Damn it. Bet. <laughs> awesome. You can all you. Oh my all god. All you. Awesome. Take it. I'll I'll tag you. No, like, you in my keep, bio. You for want credit. you want it. You keep it. Awesome. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, Andy. This is great, and uh, thank you guys for listening. This is a fun episode to cover. Uh, so hang out with us again next week. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna find out who fucks and who doesn't. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have a good night. Bye. Creeps. Sunday Scaries.